Hey there, Shiro listeners, Saturn Dave here reminding you that you must play Sega Saturn, and that it's contributions from listeners like you that help keep this and our other shows hosted and available on demand. In addition to our website, SegaSaturnShiro.com, where you can find all of the most up-to-date news and information from around the Sega Saturn scene. If you'd like to show your support and gain access to several perks, visit Patreon.com slash Shiro Media Group to become a Patreon supporter. If a monthly donation isn't possible, no worries. We still value your support in liking and sharing our content on social media and joining our Discord community to become a part of the Saturn conversation. Thank you for being a loyal listener and a part of this great community. And as always, Welcome to Editor's Corner. I'm Saturn Dave. We got Trainoco here as my co-host. Yo. And special guest today is John Linneman from all the way over in Germany. Thanks, John, for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, of course. It's great to be here, guys. It's bright and early, but I'm ready to talk some Saturn and other stuff. Because why not? <laughs> Dark and late <laughs> over here. We both got coffee, though. We got our coffee and keeping me exactly. going. I even have like an extra thermos to fill myself up. <laughs> Just in case. I need it. I pretty much live on coffee. Yeah, it's uh, over here, man. Retro gaming in Germany is is pretty big, I would say. There's a ton of stuff happening over here. We have these uh, retro burzas every week, or not every week, like every month, basically, where uh, people from around the country come together and they all set up in these large meeting places with tons of stuff to sell. And it's just awesome to go there and check it out, talk with people. Uh, I have a blast there. Okay, so John, wait nice. a second. Where, where are you originally from in the States? Oh, I'm from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Bengal fan? Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Kind of. No, I, I enjoy the Bengals. Uh, okay. I, when they're doing well, I am anyway, you know, Reds, fair, maybe? fair weather Reds. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a baseball guy. I, got I enjoy you. Okay. I enjoy football, but baseball, I like going to the games, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Base, baseball, the game, I'm with you with that. Like the, the baseball is fun. And when you see in the games, yeah, the hot dogs yeah. and food, but for some reason watching it live is like, it's like, uh, maybe, maybe I'll just like do something else. that's not that I used to think the same thing. Like, I think watching chess is kind of boring, like, but there are people who like to watch chess. So I, I don't know. I like, chess, though. Chess is fun. When I married my wife, I, like, I got huge into baseball, and I enjoyed cool. watching it. But anyway, yeah, so she, she actually got me into baseball. I wasn't like as big of a baseball fan. Uh, but how, how do you get from Cincinnati to Germany? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, well, in my case, it's really simple. It's just because of my wife's job. So, oh, okay, 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 cool. Uh, she's she is French and wanted to come back to Europe basically because we were in the States back in 2013, mm. and an opportunity opened up with her company, and we came on by. That's how it went. So, and that's also when I joined what I'm doing now, which is Digital Foundry. Is that what led to nice. you hooking up with Digital Foundry going to Germany? Yep. Really? Well, no. So, working in the US, I was doing IT stuff basically. And obviously the job was not transferable, so I had to quit, right? And then when we moved over here, we first moved to France and then to Germany after that. But either way, it was like, 
well, I need something new to do. And Richard at DF was just like looking for somebody at that time. He posted a sort of a job listing online. And I just was like, well, I can, I, I read that stuff. I like that. Let's do it. And That's it was really, really that simple. I was just like submitted, like, I wouldn't even say a resume because my resume wasn't really that uh, relevant to this. Right. Yeah. So, but it kind of worked out and here we are. He hired the right guy. <laughs> I, I hope so. Well, I yeah, you got my vote. I mean, we both love your work. I and I've loved your work for years. And just uh, I don't know, he like, we're, he we're all nerds. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just like I just like all the same stuff, you know. And uh, all the videos oh, yeah. you do are just like right up my alley. You're a Sega fan, I take it, because you definitely oh, yeah. have a, tiny bit, tiny a pretty bit, heavy bias, and and you're also a Saturn fan, big time, big time Saturn fan, and Sega arcade fan. You've done a lot of Daytona oh, yeah. stuff. You've done, but you go deep into a lot of consoles i mean in fact right now you you're cooking up something for 3do right well it's more i i'm working on the road rash video which is not i mean okay it's the entire series sure it's not just the 3do game so i'm going from the genesis games 3do up through like jailbreak and all that kind of stuff so oh, nice. it's, you know, it's all in there you know dave dave always tries to like he's been trying to sell me at it hard and he's kind of winning me over there's some really cool stuff on there like police knots and Stuff like that. So it's definitely something I'd love to get into eventually, but uh, it's definitely on that lower totem. It's not a Jaguar. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's like... It's not a Jaguar. I mean, at least right. it's not a CDI. <laughs> a CDI, I have a mission to break every single one of them in existence, so I, hopefully I can accomplish it. The big argument with the 3DO is, oh, it, they're all multi-plat games and you can play them better somewhere else, right? Which I, I totally get. And in a lot of cases, I think that's probably true. But there are some exceptions. There are some fringe exceptions, you know, like Alone in the Dark, the original Alone in the Dark, which is actually pretty decent on the 3DO, and it's a good way to play it if, if you're not going to play like it on DOS or something like that. It's a nice console way to play the game. Actually, I forgot about that. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I found the Saturn version of Alone in the Dark 2 not so long ago for quite cheap. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> and I was I paused, like, oh, this was like five bucks. Let me check it out. Oh, my I God. I popped it in, and I was like, what did they do? But it's not that much better on 3DO, honestly. It is terrible. No, on I know. I think Alone in the Dark 2 did not translate well, no, unfortunately. No, I mean, if you're going to play it at all, play it on PC, but... uh. Even then, it's not as good as the first game. The first game is just kind of like a good picture of that early survival horror. And How then... about that third one, though? That, oh, if you played Dreamcast? It? Wait, what no, are we talking Alone about? No, in the Dark 3. No, I haven't. It's the uh, one set in the in the West, like the Wild West kind oh, of setting. So, no, no, I haven't played that one. Oh, it's, wow. Uh, okay. it's, I think that was PC only, and it's quite interesting, I would say. Hmm. It's an unusual tone that you don't usually see from these sort of horror games, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's like Haunted Wild West. Like, what do you, <laughs> it's not actually the Wild West, but it's set in like you know, sort of an Old West style town. When year did that come out? Maybe... Like, 95 maybe 95 okay, okay i was gonna say maybe like tied in the wild wild west or something no i play a will smith wild wild west game <laughs> that's completely off my radar to be honest with you yeah you if you like alone in the dark you should at least check it out just because it's so unusual that they made a game like that at the time I actually, i'm cool. actually intrigued now i'm gonna go yeah let me go add that to the list real quick i'm i'm interested because i'm in arizona right now so it's always desert, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I think just because of the time Saturn and PlayStation came out, and then you had shortly after, you'd have, like, Resident Evil, and that kind of revolutionized the survival horror genre. And the next time I noticed Alone in the Dark was, like, when they put it out on Dreamcast. 
Well, obviously it was on PC and there was like the, I forget what it's called. The PS1, the new nightmare. The new nightmare. Yeah, the new nightmare. Yeah, no, that number three just completely skipped my radar. So I will definitely have to check that out. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's on Steam right now. It's like, uh, was it uh, like 14 bucks, 15 bucks? Probably wow, I didn't even realize it was on Steam. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably waiting for a Steam sale, get it for like two bucks. And then that way, if you want to take a risk on it, Dave, you won't be... Yeah. Won't be out the money, but that's I cool. Mean, seems fair. So I don't know. I'm, I don't have an outline or anything like that. I'm just curious. Like, what would you <laughs> say your favorite console is if you had to choose? Oh man. Um, or is that just too hard of a question? It would be a three-way tie between Mega Drive, Saturn, and PlayStation Two. I would say. That's oh man. Pretty good. That's actually a pretty good opinion. Those are all killer choices. So the well, Genesis or Mega Drive and PS2 are like obvious, like solid choices. Excellent libraries. Saturn, I, I'm biased, but I mean, you know, like some might argue just if if they only had like the Western. I was gonna say yes. If it's American Saturn, then it would not be on the then list. It would not be on the <laughs> list, right? Yeah, because I mean, you know, we got 200 something games, and uh, not all of them are great. <laughs> But uh, no, not, I mean, even, not close. even close. I mean, to be fair, all those like thousand in Japan, I don't think maybe even half of them are pretty okay or pretty good, anyways. Because no, Pachinkos, Dating Sims, you know, Mahjong, yeah. But there's still like a ton of stuff on there. Oh, there's just so much, like, yeah. Yeah, ratio wise, yeah, probably they at least have 200 plus good games on there compared to the 200 ones we get in the US, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I have 212 Saturn games and only like maybe 25 or American. <laughs> so it's mostly Japanese over here. So what is it about the Saturn that you like? Like what draws you to it? It is this. I love that period of time in gaming. It was very experimental and interesting and there was a lot of great stuff happening. But it was also like the, the top tier for 2D gaming, yeah. which I love. Uh, and it's just... You kind of get, I would, I was going to describe Saturn 2D as kind of like Capcom CPS 2, but with a few more bells and whistles. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. But like at home. Sure. And there wasn't really much else doing that at the time. I mean, the PlayStation can do decent 2D, but not, it does struggle to do some of the stuff that Saturn does, right? And right. N64 is yeah, let's... <laughs> just like. Less than ten games. Not even in the conversation. So you about the N64 got the best Castlevania game. Come on, guys. Well, I'll be honest. I'm actually a. I don't. You're a funny guy, Pat. It's no Symphony of the Night, but I actually like Castlevania on 64 somewhat. It's not terrible. I think it's like a solid B minus B game hmm. kind of thing, you know. Where it's got. Once you get into it, it, it has some good stuff going for it, I think. But, Definitely a C+. Plus. Yeah, no, it's in that range. It was a bit hard to control, as I remember, you know, like, whereas, like, Symphony of Night is just... It's perfect. But if you go to 64 now, you'd actually probably see, like, oh, you know, just with years of 3D experience, it's perfectly easy enough to control. This is true. Yeah, I mean, putting it into context, that, that it was a brand new kind of dynamic. Brand new plane we live in. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, even the 3D stuff, and you did a great video on this about how Saturn is basically just really, really powerful at generating sprites and throwing them up on the screen really fast. So fast that that it can just warp them and create a bunch of 3D, basically like perspective corrected 3D graphics. Right. But it's all sprites, right? 
And that's crazy. Like it gives it a flavor of 3D that's different from like the PlayStation. The PlayStation has its own like little idiosyncrasies right. uh, in, in its 3D and stuff like that. And they all have like a flavor. Like, you know, a, a Nintendo 64 game when you look at it. Uh, it's got that kind of like Vaseline blur. I mean, if, if you're not using any hey, kind of... Hey, credit where credit's due, I think Shadowgate 64 is my favorite horror game on the N64, or if it counts as one, I think. Do you like any of the 3D stuff, or do you mostly stick to like the 2D on stuff Saturn? on Saturday? Yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy this 3D stuff as well. And, you know, so that's the thing is a lot of stuff that's 3D on Saturn still actually runs pretty well today. Yeah. So it, it always felt very playable, I would say, in a way that... Uh, isn't always true of like N64, for instance. Yeah. Right. So I definitely feel like with the PS1, they tapped it out. Like they made games well into the early 2000s, oh, yeah. you know, and they pretty much just squeezed every last ounce of what that console was capable of. You look at games like Gran Turismo 2 and I don't know, Vagrant Story and stuff like that. And it's really just yep. squeezing every it's last crazy. ounce of power. And then with the Saturn, there's a ton of extra untapped potential that they just never really i mean we've had developers go on record saying it's like a sandbox right like yes there are some bottlenecks with the bus contention you know um but aside from that there's just a ton of like endless the thing, potential the thing about saturn though is that because it's all like sprites and the way all that works yeah like doing things like lighting and shading on 3d objects it doesn't really seem to work yeah. the same way that it really should so 3D games on Saturn have this very unique kind of full bright look to them. Right. Where it's almost garish at times. Yes. But it's it somehow looks still appealing and unique in its own way. Which is why games like Burning Rangers are so iconic and look so good. They pop because they are garish, bright, just really, really in your face colors. Arguably doesn't do as well on the games that are supposed to be like really gritty and dystopian. Although I'd argue that Team Andromeda was able to make it work with Panzer Dragon's Vi yeah. and, and Panzer Dragon Saga. But you're absolutely right. Like that's one of the greatest things about the Saturn 3D games is just the really bright, popping, colorful stuff. It's really more of the like the character of the 3D that it has. But that's kind of why like something like Sega Rally works because it's just oh, bright, yeah. vibrant colors doesn't do a lot of like subtle shading and shadows it's just like bam in your face you know you're racing there's rally cars let's go and it, it really man it gets close to matching the arcade in many ways like it's a shame they couldn't really put that effort towards daytona usa on that oh I, i'm sure they would have or wanted to but <clears throat> yeah because it was so early it was right? so early uh, yeah i i kind of don't blame them for it also daytona you know, when you look at Sega Rally, Sega Rally is a rally game where there's maybe one or two cars on the screen at any point. And mm -hmm. Daytona is like, here's a grid of 20 cars yeah. or whatever uh, racing around this track. The they actually managed to clean up the visuals quite a bit for CCE. But then they oh, missed it. plays so bad. They yeah. missed a trick by not actually maintaining. They close. really, all this they close. really needed to do was just focus on the graphics. Don't touch the music. Don't touch the gameplay. It's good. Just make the engine better. Uh, yeah. Graphics better. We're good. Don't touch. The I mean, music. and for that matter, if Saturn had continued, I hate the shoulda, coulda, woulda. But if it had, they could have done like a Daytona too. You know, like they could have brought ported that or ported other so i don't think daytona 2 would have made sense because the the tracks became so much more complex thanks to model 3 just more complex that's true instead it should have been dreamcast like i would say yeah like they should have that, done that for a Dreamcast. the version we got on dreamcast is fine enough i guess sure. but like i would have rather they did like a daytona complete right where it's daytona oh, one yeah. and two combined into a dreamcast 
game, you know. Absolutely. Uh, the thing about Dreamcast, I did eventually get used to that Dreamcast version because you can, once I realized that you have to press up on the analog stick, mm-hmm. you know that? Because, like, if you just try to play it by pressing left and right on the stick, it causes your car to, like, go out of control. Yeah. But they designed it so you control it like it's a steering wheel. Mm-hmm. So you hold the stick forward and then and you, you slowly just roll of... it left and right. And once you yeah, get that, it's like, true, all right, yeah. it plays okay. It still doesn't feel like what we wanted. It, it was. You got to get the Dreamcast wheel, folks. This is how you play these games. Leaves a lot to be desired, but you're absolutely right. Daytona 2 would have been a home run on the Dreamcast. It could have handled it. It would have done a great job, but the, yeah, that's kind of too bad. Yeah. yeah. So do you have like a favorite Saturn game? I'm just curious. Uh, no way. No, no way. It's <laughs> impossible to say that. Because it's such a varied system and there's so many different takes on this, It's it's... If I say, you know, any random game, I'm mm-hmm. going to be leaving something really important on on the floor. Like, how could you ever, like, not say something positive about Virtue Fighter 2, right? Like, I right. wouldn't say Virtue Fighter 2 is my favorite game on there, right? But I feel like not including something like that in there, given how important it was and how well it plays. Like, I just, I can't, I can't do favorites. The closest thing I would say is the original Grandia. You you have uh, like sentimentality for that, or you just come yeah, to like it? Yeah, I okay. do. Oh, okay. So uh, I I was following it back in the '90s when it came out, and it was a game that uh, when I first started to like try to study Japanese, that was one of the first games I was poking at. And at the time, I really couldn't understand anything. And then, you know, over the over the years, you know, I've improved enough where mm-hmm. I was able to play through it in its original Japanese and enjoy it and that was very rewarding and That's i could awesome. feel the the building blocks of getting to that point mm-hmm. and then you know finally being able to do that once i actually finally did that then it's like oh hey now there's this there's an english translation yeah so. it's like oh man i've worked this so hard <laughs> but no but like, obviously speaking of, speaking of which we were able to play the uh, fan translation by uh, i did I, I played that that next and i was like dang this is uh really good yeah and it's just such a shame that this is not what we got in the u.s i mean again it would have been too little too late saturn was dead nobody was gonna invest the money necessary right. to localize that game at that time mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. maybe working yeah. designs if if they had been like kind of encouraged to do so but if we're in the boxy the brewing brewing stolar all the time sony did it for playstation right sony they did, did it, it in turn yeah they did their yeah. own uh translation work so it wasn't like they were gonna share <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. They weren't going to share. No. And honestly, you know, for um, working designs, I think the game might have just been a little bit too big for them at the time. Like in terms of just the raw amount of text and and all the voice stuff. And it's a gigantic game. So I feel like... It looks amazing, though, like from that opening live, you know, real time cut scene flying through the town. Of course, it like it looks great on PlayStation as well. But just on Saturn, it's just it definitely has that look to it. So I've talked about this before, but one of the reasons that that game looks so good on Saturn versus PlayStation is that it's VDP2. Okay, yeah. So the thing about VDP2, as you guys know, it's basically like a 2D rasterizing chip kind of you know it's designed to perform all the actions of classic uh, arcade and home systems where it's tile map based Mm -hmm. so like you're basically putting tiles like artwork onto like a flat plane and you can scroll it you can rotate mode seven style it you can rotate it you can skew it zoom it all that kind of stuff it's really well suited for that but the problem is on most 3d games like why why didn't they use vdp2 on daytona you'd say 
Well, because Daytona has a fully 3D track with all this elevation that doesn't work there. It's right. not they use it for the sky, but you can't use it for the floor. You can't you can't do the ground with it because it's not really designed to be used that way. Right. But with uh Grandia, many of its maps, you know, you have the ground the base, like the floor of the map, and it's flat and they build geometry on top of that. Mm-hmm. So they use VDP2 as the basis for the ground in many of those areas. Yes, they build up elevation with the 3D stuff, but most of those areas have big, flat, open planes. Saturn can do that super well. They can have a gigantic... It's like free, basically. Yeah. And so you look at the first town in Grandia, like Parm, and it's... uh, they have all these intricate, like, you know, streets and metalwork and all this stuff. It's just a 2D tile map, right? But on PlayStation, it doesn't have the ability to do those large flat tile maps. It has to render it out all using basically triangles. So the mm. set, so to bring it to PlayStation, they had to brute force it. So there's like way more polygons in a scene on PlayStation because they didn't have that equivalent of VDP2. But that also affects memory, right? Because uh, it's all 3D. They don't have like the memory to be able to do it as intricately as Saturn. So they couldn't actually just duplicate that tile map. And so if you actually look at the ground in Parm on PlayStation 1, it, it's actually kind of a garbled mess. Like it looks fine at a glance, but it doesn't logically make sense. Like it doesn't connect all the roads and paths and everything together right. in a way where you'd be like, oh, that, that makes sense. It just looks like a pattern of metal and grass and stuff that you're walking on without any sort of logic. Whereas on Saturn, it really there's actual paths and thought put into the design because they, they arted it up like a 2D game mm-hmm. and then they built the geometry on top of it. And they do that everywhere in the game. And PlayStation just can't actually do that. So, yeah, uh, it's one of those cases where you just have this like you, they actually use the Saturn in a smart way to produce something that looks awesome that none of the other systems could do. That also applies to things like water. You know that, right? Like right. you've seen the water in Saturn Grandia. They mm-hmm. use that that one 2D VDP2 trick again. Uh, you saw it in like Panzer Dragoon 2 exactly. as well. Yeah. Uh, and again, can't do it on PlayStation, so it's just like a flat water texture instead. That was really Saturn's strength, I would say, is VDP2. That was kind of like the card up their sleeve, I guess. Yeah, I mean, with without that, they'd be in deep trouble. Definitely, because, yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I would say that it's pretty amazing what they were able to get the PlayStation to do. Um, and you're right, like absolutely brute forcing a lot of things. Sometimes it was just like really clever programming, like Naughty Dog. They've gone on record saying they just pretty much threw out the book and just said, "We're just gonna work outside the constraints of uh, what Sony wants." The best way to do it, honestly, especially if you have a lot of good programmers. Like, yeah, yeah, like exactly. If you know what you're doing, like as a programmer myself, I would rather have that openness, and I think a lot of people would prefer that instead of like being constrained to, "Oh yeah, here's this engine, or here's this like you know this guide or whatever." To, pretty much work around it's like oh let's let's go outside this a little bit. let's see what we can do to the point where it's like oh yeah sony or night dog broke the the playstation the the, play, the playstation once they update it's like ooh, yeah. probably not do that again yeah but i mean yeah with the saturn it's having that vdp2 it really helped with like the 3d stuff it's funny that a, a game like castlevania symphony of the night should have been perfect on saturn right but i mean they kind of needed to just wrap it up 
and get it out. <laughs> so I think the PlayStation actually is more impressive at 2D than people give it credit for because of the fact it that it's is. brute forcing this stuff. Because like, again, what Saturn's doing with VDP2 is just, that's just a hardware feature, right? Like they designed mm -hmm. classic 2D style hardware and it does exactly what it's supposed to. And it's really awesome at that. Sony didn't do that. So developers basically had to find another way. And that's what the fast 2D mode, if you look in the technical manuals, it's literally just slapping two unshaded triangles together. And then you have a square sprite, mm -hmm. right? Or like mm -hmm. a tile. And so they're basically just all the 2D stuff is essentially like unshaded 3D graphics. It's not really 3D, like it is actually mapped out in like a 2D space, but it's just two triangles, right? So they're just kind of brute forcing everything 2D that way. Like a texture, basically? It's kind of like a texture, yeah. It's like a texture mapped to a face? It's kind of like that, exactly. That's crazy. You can't make a box without using triangles, right? With, right. with the PlayStation, everything is triangles. So, so wow, it's like, that's... oh, the Saturn and memory and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's more about the fact that, like, you know, if you have like a 2D game on Saturn, like a fighting game, they can just do the traditional 2D style backgrounds with mm -hmm. like tiles. And then you have like sprites on top of that where PlayStation has to do everything using all these like 3D uh, double triangle kind of setup. And it's just more expensive memory wise. So they're never going to be able to match it. I would say it's it's more like the, the engineers on the PlayStation doing 2D did amazing work considering the way that hardware is designed. And on Saturn, it was like they're just taking advantage of what the Saturn is designed to do. Sega designed it with 2D games in mind, and it has proper 2D support in a way that the competition didn't. Like N64, nope. 3DO, definitely not. It's horrible with 2D graphics. Even the Jaguar, it's bad at 2D in the end, it turns out. like I mean, the Jaguar's bad at everything, but I mean, that's, be yeah. that's besides the point, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you see a 2D game on Saturn that kind of drops the ball, that's when people go like, and well, it has no excuse, And right? I think it's because you look at Symphony of the Night was a PlayStation game, right? So they'd have to, they'd have to readapt the way they do the 2D backgrounds, I guess. They couldn't port that over. They had to just basically rebuild it. It also has that, that stupid resolution problem. Where, yeah, oh, yeah, the, where it like stretches the pixels or squeezes. It's because, um, so the main issue there, and this was with some Capcom had this problem too with stuff like the Rockman X3 port and uh, in the Ghouls and Ghosts collection when they have the Super NES game in there. So the Saturn didn't support a 256 wide pixel mode, right? And I've talked about that before where. You know, Super NES, PC Engine, they were all 256 by 224 is like their most common resolution. PlayStation also supports that. Uh, Saturn did not. They don't have that video mode. So on PlayStation, anytime you'd have like a Super NES kind of game on there, you could actually just display it properly. And I think with Symphony of the Night, the, what happened there is that they started from pixel art that was designed for the PC Engine game. You know what I mean? Right. So it's Dracula X on PC Engine, which was 256 by 224. And you can see some of that artwork in there. And because they started with that, they just went with that resolution. And that resolution looks totally fine on a CRT, right? <laughs> Nobody really would notice that much. So they just went with it. And then when it comes to Saturn, it's like, oh, now we can't do that. And so you either do Capcom style where they just squish the whole image, mm -hmm. right? So you have a narrow pillar boxed image. Like in Mega Man, they would actually have the, there's like artwork on the left and right, right? Mm -hmm. Of cool because, pictures and stuff, yeah. Yeah, because they couldn't actually stretch it to full screen uh, because you're dealing with so few pixels. And But Konami tried to do that. And if you actually, like, 
they they basically baked it into the artwork. They right. pre-scaled everything so that it was like every four pixels or something, they would double a pixel until it fills the whole screen. So it creates these <laughs> uneven patterns in all of it. Mm-hmm. And people say like if you if you view it on a CRT and composite video, you can't see it. But I you could see I it. Don't, I don't agree. Yeah, you can see it on everything. <laughs> well, you know, I it's saw there. it back in the day. You can definitely feel that there's something wrong right. with the way it's scaled. Especially when you're going upstairs, when whenever it's scrolling, you can just yep. kind of see the I don't know the shimmer or exactly. how, to, how to describe it, but you just know that it's there. And again, most people, I think, in the West at least, experienced the game on the PlayStation, so that's what we're familiar yep. with. Then you play the Saturn version, and it's very obvious that yeah. My yeah. thought on that was that they should have, I say they should have, this would have been more difficult, but like if they just squished everything a little bit and allowed it to be sort of tall and skinny, hmm. but then expand the viewport, right? Where they show more of the tile work on the left and right of the image. And yeah, that creates a lot of QA work and figuring out where that breaks and where it doesn't. But it would have been cool if they just showed more of the background uh, and filled out the 320 by 240 image. And then you would have a circular moon because, you know, the. It was about Oval Moon. Oval Moon's fine. It's good enough. <laughs> but but it, you know, it's it's funny though that you know you talk about that, and it's like, I think it's just a uh, really a symptom of where the Saturn was in that era. Because I mean, even like lo- looking through the text files, they're like, yeah, sorry, we kind of rushed this, or this is the B team, this isn't our best work, so we're sorry. And it's it's kind of a sadness, really. But I mean, it, it's really the really this is a symptom is where the Saturn was. It's like they were on the there's the B team. They had to really rush this out in a way, so they didn't really mm-hmm. have time to oh. We can't recreate this. We can't redraw the sprites. You know, we'd have to get the whole team. It's like we gotta do what we gotta do, and and it's it's really cool because if you think about it, it's it's like what we would probably do, where it's like, oh, we gotta get something done. Well, we gotta do it fast, so let's try to work around what we have. We like stretch these out to make sure it's hidden and make it look good enough. But then you know, somebody like us that looks yep. at it will know that there's an issue with it. And by that time, PlayStation was really kicking ass in Japan, you know, and uh, I exactly. think that they yeah. needed to get it out to remain competitive you know and it wasn't you know symphony of the night wasn't going to be a western release right on saturn so like they just didn't have the reason to pour that time in because you know what konami did pour a lot of effort into saturn games Mm -hmm. early on their first years of saturn are awesome Mm uh and they actually have an advantage over playstation in many of those games like the parodius deluxe pack which was a launch title on playstation Saturn came out a bit later, but like it's significantly better mm-hmm. in terms of like visual quality. It's closer to the arcade. It has none of the slowdown issues. It's just it's a really great conversion of that that game. Contra Legacy of War was a little bit of a misstep, though. Well, I would say that was a that was a Western developed game. Oh, that's and, okay. You know, yeah, right? It's a, it's like their Japanese step. stuff was good. Yeah, sure. Okay, I actually didn't realize that. I didn't know that that was Western developed. Uh, oh yeah, that's that vibe. Honestly, it has that vibe to it as well. It, I, know I think it was weird, actually Appalooza. But... Oh, Appalooza. Okay. No, you're you are you are right. You are correct. I saw that on the E3 yeah, video. It is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that and see the Contra Adventure. Well, there you go. Which yeah. came out on PlayStation. That was also Appalooza. Yeah. All right. I think one of the I can't remember one of those is 60 frames per second. Uh it might be the second one, but yeah. which I which I will give them credit for because <laughs> it's cool that they got it running at a smooth frame rate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny. Maybe it might just be me, but I always seem like if you play all the if you play like a Western developed game versus a Japanese developed game, you could feel it really feel where their approach was depending on the company that that released it. Like oh, yeah. I don't know, like maybe maybe um, it might be like a, a a vibe thing for me. But it's like it feels completely different, like what stuff Genmore and like mm. some of like the, the the Western developed games were 
aiming for versus Japanese games, even 3D. It's like all, all otherworldly, you know? It's like, like a utilitarian approach versus a craftsmanship approach, you know what I mean? Kind of, like, yeah. You t- the West, Western developers were like, let's just get this working, right? You know, and then we, you know, add stuff later, but I... I wouldn't say they're all like that. There are exceptions. I mean, look at Lobotomy. I mean, like, those yeah, guys... That's what I mean. Those guys cared. They really did. And and there were other teams. Uh, EA made some really good stuff. Like, Soviet Strike is it's a great game, you know? It's very very high production value. They You can Tell they Road carry. Rash is good. Road Rash is good. <laughs> Command and Conquer. Um, oh, yeah. It's got a lot of really good Western developed games on the Saturn for sure. But for the most part, is what we're saying. Yeah. Definitely. There's yeah. like oh, yeah, Mr. No, Bones. Uh, that was Western take... developed, right? Yeah. Mr. Bones is a grab bag. It, Mr. Bones is like good and bad. Oh, it's a bag of something. All right. <laughs> the production value is high and there's some good stuff there. I always argue there's some good stuff in Mr. Bones. But yeah, for the most part, it's a frustratingly difficult game and it doesn't know what it wants to be. Yeah. Okay. I was. Yeah. That was indeed a Western developed game. I wasn't 100% sure. Oh, but yeah. Just. Looking yeah, at is. it, I was like, that has to be, and it is. Yeah, and I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't come off the wrong way. I wasn't trying to insult it. It just seemed like there was a different vibe coming from where they wanted to go gameplay development-wise and gameplay-wise. And it's not necessarily bad, per se, because there's a lot of Western Saturn games were great. Well, it's just my, like my theory on this is that if you look at, look at what was coming out of the West during the 16-bit era and everything, you had some superstars, especially in the UK, like Rare. Oh, but, sure. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of the best Western developers during that era... They weren't making console games. They were making PC games. You know what I mean? That's, That's true. Yeah. And so yeah. we did start to get PC stuff on Saturn and PlayStation during this era, but it was always compromised because, you know, PC has its own strengths in different areas. Mm-hmm. But the a lot of the best Western games, they, you know, that's... They, they were just they were on the pc they were making first person shooters or rts games and stuff like that you can only do so much with command and conquer with a saturn controller really mm-hmm. it's good with a mouse though right so I, I don't think it has support for it does it no i i playstation though does oh yeah you can oh, still yeah. play you can you can still do like i think warcraft 2 has mouse support as well but yeah on saturn the whole mouse situation there's there's a bunch of games on there where it feels like this should have had mouse support but then you start to dig into like why it doesn't and yeah. you're like oh god it was a mess back then these guys never stood a chance i mean mist has mouse support it was like a launch title in japan and a very early release in the u.s yeah. and it has mouse support and then there are other games that you would expect them to have mouse support and they don't or there's games like corpse killer where you expect it to have light gun support right. and it doesn't, and it doesn't. It's like, so i think me? i think that is a symptom of what of sega's development resources at the time in terms of what they made available to different teams and the chaos that must have been there where like clearly not every developer had access to everything they probably should have for their games yeah and it was very hit or miss on that front so i think mist was a japanese developed port sunsoft, by sunsoft maybe? Yep, it was so like they i feel like the japanese developers had a better access to this stuff whereas yeah, in the u.s it felt like over. they they were just like you guys like, you figure it out do what you can right it's it's like it's like oh we're two months for release oh here's a mouse and Here's a mouse here. Have fun, guys. Good luck. And it's like, uh, we're like a month from release. We're not doing <laughs> we're that. We're not doing so, that. <laughs> but yeah, because we've actually talked to people, like like developers, and that was actually you're on the money where it's like, yeah, they just didn't get the items. It's like they had to wait and wait. And then it's like they get it. It's like, well, we're gold. We're about to go gold right now. So we're not going to redo the entire game over a peripheral. So here you go. Here's control support. And 
Use the pass- password system. You're good to go. Bye. <laughs> Here's the game. Oh, yeah. Freaking password systems, man. Gex. They took it out. They took yeah, the sa- they proper took save it. games out of Gex. And I love... Although, in retrospect, as somebody that's thinking about doing an episode on Gex soon, I was like, wait a minute. Passwords are good in this case because I can skip to any level easily. <laughs> okay, this is true. But wait a second. There, it, there's the hub world. So if you do have a save, you can always go back to the hub world and go to... Any- no, I know, I know. But like... If you're covering four versions of a game, oh, true. having to play all the way through every level on on a game that's difficult like Gex, uh, oh. you know, it's like I'll I I will probably play all the way through 3DO and capture that, and then maybe skip around on the other versions uh, to capture footage from the different levels for comparison's sake. Yeah, passwords can be convenient sometimes, but back in the day, that was annoying that they took that out, right? Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, you collect the VHS tapes and everything. It's like a part of the a part of the yeah, whole charm. It fits you know, in. It's the theme. You and know? you have that like sort of VHS selector deck yeah. that you choose with like the play and stop buttons. Exactly. Or that, that kind of aesthetic in the save screen. Yeah. And on with the with the password, it just shows like the spine of a VHS tape with like written text. I think it is. Yeah. And you yeah, just copy I can't wait that. For that remaster, and all the kids would be like, "What is this thing? What is this thing on the side of it for Gex?" Well, I would argue that if if anybody's actually buying Gex, they would already know that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. True. No, I, true. I don't. I don't think it's going to be selling to the to the uh, the, the kids. Here. Not the kids. No. The, for, the Fortnite mm-hmm. kids. They're going to be like, nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless like, unless, unless they get memed into doing it, in which case, you know, anything's possible. This is true. I can't. I can't wait. We're going to get the. Was it the kids react to of Gex? And it's like, what is this thing on the side of it? It's like a cool mechanic thing. You know, it, <laughs> it just, it's just funny. Mario and Sonic can just get constantly reinvented. And so even kids these days are into it. But with something like Gex, it pretty much is frozen in it's time. It's so weird, though, that I think it could get a certain group of younger people where they're just like, this is weird as heck. Like dude. they like and it they ironically. Just... <laughs> they... Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people like that are Scott the Waz fans that are going to buy it hands down. Yeah. That, that, that's a that... whole meme with him yeah exactly that's true so anything's possible that's the thing though as I, I feel like if you look at the internet reaction to gex i'm just gonna say it most people are gex posers they didn't <laughs> play gex they've never played gex they're not, they're not true, they, true uh gen gexer no gen gexer. They, they like it because of of scott the Waz or other you know meme related things right but how many people actually played gex I was there. I, I played I Gex so. back in the day. So what did you think of Enter the Gecko, like the 3D outing uh, versus... Uh, at the time, I was blown away because uh, I played it first on PC mm. because I got it along with a 3D FX Voodoo card. Ooh. And I played I it on movies. that. And uh, yeah, it looked really awesome. And I was like, wow, this is, uh, you know, 3D platforms, which I loved Mm -hmm. from like Mario 64 and the like. This looks amazing. This is really cool. It feels like it was one of the first real collect-a-thons where it was just like you're yeah, going around yeah. collecting stuff, you know. But for... in retrospect, uh, I think it's it has some fun points, but the game, it turns out, is very twitchy yeah. in terms of movement. Like oh, it doesn't yeah. feel good to control, and it's just it's it's kind of hard to play. I don't love it. I think the original Gex is much it's better. It's much more classic yep. as a game. I agree. What's also interesting about that, though, is that it's one of those few games where it's a 3D platformer. You'd expect the N64 version to wallop the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But it turns out the PlayStation version is a lot better. It is. It actually runs really smoothly. It plays okay. On N64, it's like super chuggy and sloppy, and yeah. it does not feel good at all on there, and uh, which surprised me. 
But I guess Crystal Dynamics had a lot more experience making PlayStation games, so I'm yeah. sure that factored into it at that point. But I only recently discovered that, actually, because I played the PlayStation game growing up and yeah. recently tried the N64 game like on, on my EverDrive, and I was just like, wow, this is not what I remember. So I fired up the PlayStation when I was like, okay, yeah, it's not what I remember. <laughs> yeah, and the PC is kind of like... Uh, even a step above that i would say so i played a pc first and then i picked it up on playstation on the cheap right and then years later i found an n64 cartridge and i was like oh yeah but it's really good on here it was not good on there as you know you're just going from worse to worse because you're going from the 480p goodness to 240p to yeah, vaseline smeared it just kept getting worse <laughs> it's like please please let's go back to the pc forget all these other versions i'm done exactly but and yeah. there, there was a lot of games back then. so another one that's always interesting to me was like how Cygnosis had a bunch of games show up on saturn right but they didn't all come out in the west um like obviously wipeout i think did wipeout wipeout 2097 those or xl those both hit saturn he had Destruction Derby on there, Crazy Yvonne. Uh, there was Discworld <laughs> on there, and maybe some others. So Cygnosis uh, was a UK company, right? But uh, didn't pl- didn't Sony buy them? Correct. Didn't yeah, and th- and they put out SN Systems stuff like the development kits that were like That's much right. cheaper. <laughs> yeah, much like the PsyQ. They were like a, a pittance compared to like what you would pay for an actual Sega development kit, and you could do some decent stuff on them. But I'm just thinking, like, maybe it had something to do with that. Like, maybe there was some kind of backdoor deal where they're like, okay, well, you're in the UK and you already were doing stuff for set. This is all speculation. I don't know. But you're absolutely right. There's a bunch of games that just didn't come over here that were Cygnosis games, like uh, Destruction Dobby. Uh, <laughs> Destruction Dobby. I, I, like, I like Dobby. pronounce that. I cannot pronounce it any other way now. I love that game, and I would have loved it on the Saturn over here, but uh, yeah, we just didn't get it. I actually, I missed two more. There was 3D Lemmings and Assault Rigs. Oh, Assault Rigs. Dang. Yeah, I always forget so, that one. Cygnosis put out a lot of stuff on the Saturn. It's just that most of it didn't come to the West. Didn't come and, to the West. Uh, I would I say that why. those conversions were generally not great. Like, they, they all run a lot worse than PlayStation. Right, but, yeah. But they were obviously developed for PlayStation first and foremost and sort mm-hmm. of converted, right? Right. And that's, you know how that goes. Well, definitely. <laughs> yeah, a little bit a little bit messy. It makes you wonder if it's either the US was like, uh, we don't really want that B tier stuff, or just like, we got to service the UK first and then maybe the US afterwards. And it's so, like, US never happened. Well, with that leaked Sega document that you guys went over recently, and I read through the whole darn thing, right? Uh, I believe there was some mention about quality in relation to one of those games. Maybe it was Destruction Derby. I can't remember which one it was, but there was one in there where. In like the quality section, I feel like there was a note on there about the quality would make it look weak compared to PlayStation or something. Yeah, that's and true. I think that they, you know, they weren't fools. They know they noticed this stuff. Right. I mean, well, I say they weren't fools, but obviously there, there was some, some fool. There's some fool. There was some Tom some foolery. Some some tomfoolery in there. Well, I mean, you made a great point. Anytime you had a game that started on PlayStation and it had to get ported back over to Saturn, it wasn't an ideal circumstance. You no. know, you take that's what you would get in like official Sega Saturn magazine, you would always get this talk about like, how decent does it do it at representing the original? Oh, well, it's not quite there, but it's still really good. Like Wipeout, not quite there, but we love it. It's great. We get, we get it on Saturn. That's the kind of tone of it. And, and Resident Evil, we have to wait a year and it's not going to be as good, but we get Resident Evil on Saturn. But when you had a game that was just like agnostic of that, you know, it started out on another platform and they get two teams and 
okay, you're going to port it to the Saturn, you're going to port it to the PlayStation, like NBA Jam Tournament Edition. Yep. The the Saturn is able to contend, you know. It's a 2D game. And it's a 2D game, okay. I think that point about Grandia earlier is it applies to the PlayStation as well, where, you know, they use those specific functions of the VDP2 and design. Good point. When designing Grandia, right? Well, on PlayStation, they would design games a specific way for PlayStation mm-hmm. in terms of how much geometry they used you know, the way they were displaying things, certain techniques, like, oh yeah, we, whereas on Saturn, it's like, all right, if you want to do like, I don't know, some kind of special effect, right? Mm-hmm. You, you'd want to approach it differently to play to the strengths of the hardware. Yeah. And on PlayStation, you would approach it in a different way. And they're so different that that was required. So when you're porting a game from one platform to the other, you're left with a problem then. It's like, well, if you want it to be an accurate port, you've got to duplicate that original art hmm. for like an, a special effect, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's going to be dithered transparency on Saturn or there's going to be something else wrong with it because that's how it works on PlayStation. Whereas if they played to the Saturn strengths, they would essentially be have, they would have to come up with a completely different artistic representation of the same idea mm-hmm. to make it work. And then it's no longer true to the source material. So do you change it at that point? Like it opens up all those questions because they really don't do the same things. And that's kind of the issue there. So anytime you got a port that just tried to convert the game as it was, you're going to end up with issues on one or the other, depending on where it started. And that's exactly the case. I wonder how many other examples like that exist where it's like Saturn to PlayStation. Tell me, do you know the story with, uh, what, a Dead or Alive? Did that start on Saturn or PlayStation? Because the Saturn version is killer. Um, I thought that was a, uh, I mean, that was a Model 2 game first right right like there was a there was an arcade game yeah i do then, i actually do know an example i'm pretty sure it wasn't tomb raider originally saturn saturn original and then it moved over to everything else i think well the thing that's kind of a bad example in the <laughs> sense that the saturn version is really janky comparatively really i think the saturn version is pretty good uh, i mean it's oh sorry no i thought he was talking tomb raider oh yeah no i'm not talking tomb raider i was talking dead or alive <laughs> You were talking Dead or Alive, but Pat... Yeah, I was just using an example, because I think, I think that was... He mentioned Tomb Raider. Saturn, I think. Yeah, sorry about that. I mean, a swap over. I was just trying to figure out an example of that. Yeah, Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider does perform and look a lot more stable, and just it, it looks better on PlayStation. And, I mean, they were doing that simultaneously. I think they, they were... Yeah, I think it was simultaneous... They were definitely okay. developing that one simultaneously. Every it did start development on on Saturn first. It, it's like a it's a weird technicality, really. Yeah, but it was almost simultaneous. It was pretty much simultaneous. As far as DOA though, is a really interesting one because um, that one is that's one of those rare examples where it looks like the developer basically went back and they're like, all right, we're gonna port this game to these consoles. We can't do the arcade game on here because it's a Model 2 game, right? So we have to come up with a way to bring this to these other machines. Mm -hmm. They actually did the legwork of playing to the strengths of each system. Saturn does use the VDP2 floor uh, kind of design with the 3D characters on there. I mean, that's the whole reason Virtua Fighter 2 and all that work as fast as they do is because they're like borderline. It's like a 2D game. But instead of sprites for the characters, they actually do the 3D. But mm-hmm. because they only have to do those characters, it becomes a lot more feasible to actually do it at a good speed. On PlayStation, it's more as you'd expect, where the floor is like a polygon surface. Right. Uh, both games still use 2D backgrounds. But on Saturn, because, again, you, they're using the, the VDP2 setup, you can actually get like more parallax effects in the background 
you know like in the one stage you've actually got like uh mm-hmm. it's like this like sort of uh, industrial kind of warehousey stuff around it and then there's like these orange mountains in the background that scroll independently from the foreground and that's pretty cool to see uh but the saturn version is missing i think some of the character shading if you remember on playstation they use that really like uh subtle shading to give them sort of the rounded edges like uh and and there's more lighting on the characters right. in a way so the characters kind of look better whereas in saturn they're very flat but they still look great it's just different so i would say they both look really good in their own right and they each take advantage of what the hardware can do hmm. no i, I think also fascinating. playstation because it's a polygon floor you get the texture warping True. whereas on uh it's not too bad but on saturn because it's a vdp2 layer it's just perfect there's none of that yeah, it seems it seems between the way that you're describing it, because I've not not played the Saturn version of it. I played PlayStation a little bit, but it doesn't seem like there's a really bad version of it. it just seems it's different. Maybe right, right. Yeah, it's, it's which is interesting. I like games that are like that. Where it's like it's not bad, but you know, like, it's kind of like with the Resident Evil. It's like you can either one the differences, but it's not like one's awful compared to the other one. I suppose exactly. But again, like talented Japanese developer taking their time. Exactly. It's all about the time. Crafting it. It's like, need the time to do these things. It's true, true. Exactly. Yeah, and that, you know, so that's actually cool to see. I'm happy that those guys uh, actually put the work in on making the Saturn version of that. Mm -hmm. But there's not, unfortunately, I don't think there's too many games like that where you have a developer creating two separate versions of a game for both systems that kind of play to the strengths. There's got to be others, though, right? Power Slave for, for PS1. Oh, that was the same. That was the same team. That, that was, lobotomy. was lobotomy. Okay, so but they did the Saturn version first, right? Yeah, I I would I would say that that's that maybe qualifies, but they, they ended up pretty good on PlayStation, all things considered. Yeah, they made some interesting changes to it, but uh, it's pretty good on both. I would say mm-hmm. the PlayStation version runs at a higher frame rate, but it's missing some of some of the levels are scaled back in weird ways. So. And you mentioned lighting not working great on Saturn, and yet that kind of, that game is kind of like an exception to the rule, right? Well, they do some, but the way they do lighting, you notice it has this really like harsh, bizarre look to it. It's not mm-hmm. the traditional kind of like lighting up the vertices or of that era. It looks like it's something else entirely, almost like they're yes. like layering some kind of art. And I, I can't even remember how that worked, but it was really, really weird. The lighting mm-hmm. in that game it looked unlike anything else and it doesn't have the uh it's it's not the typical stuff you see it feels i always described it as the lighting in power slave feels like if you were trying to simulate lighting in a 2d sprite game huh you know what i mean where it's like you would draw the light popping off in the artwork and that's what it feels like to me hmm. it doesn't feel like you're just using like uh programming to like light up polygons it's like no we're gonna draw the light <laughs> in a cool way like it's not exactly that but that's base. that's what i always felt when seeing it in action yeah i think that's probably a good good indication of great great people that know how lighting works and a great person on the lighting team for programming where it's like it looks like it's natural almost right. or it's like it's like supposed to be there you know if that makes exactly sense. yeah it's one of those things though that that makes saturn games so unique like when it comes to the 2d games it's harder to tell without knowing the library intimately you know it's hard to right. tell a really good 2d game on the saturn versus a 2d game on the playstation like if you had metal slug playing or something like that you know they both look great but when it comes to like the 3d stuff it's just very obvious you know what i actually i actually do have some 2d examples though that are that are fun for okay. you okay uh, so 
one of the ones, I don't know if you guys have actually bothered to check it out, but I think Darius Gaiden is one of the best games on Saturn. Oh, it's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's amazing, right? Yeah. But did you know it got a PlayStation port? It did. Yes. Only in Japan. Only in Japan, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I picked cool. that up some years ago out of curiosity. It's horrendous. Is it really, is it really bad? <laughs> well, good thing they didn't listen uh, to you then. Basically, it runs at like 45 to 50 frames per second with screen tearing most of the time. Wow. I'm actually, it's so bad that I was shocked that it got released in that state. Oh, wow. And it seems whoever did the conversion work, they just, they did a, that, they did a bad, bad job. So that game is terrible on PlayStation compared to Saturn. So don't be fooled by the awesome cover art. It's not a good version. And that's that's one of this. That's actually one of the rare cases where the PlayStation version, I would say, is actually bad compared to what you get on Saturn. And I don't recommend it, but it was cool to see it. Hmm. Another one that always stuck out to me, and this one's a little bit weird, was uh, Kaite Daisenso mm, or In, in the, the Hunt. Hunt. Yeah. People always say, oh, the PlayStation version is the one to get on that game. And there's some truth to that, but it's not so clear cut. There's less slowdown, though, right? That's what everybody says. But here's the thing. That's what everyone says. The place, so the Saturn version has slowdown, but it, it's, it works in the more old school method where the game tries to be 60 frames per second. Right. And it's often there, but anytime it does slow down, it literally cuts the frame rate in half and the whole game runs slow. Mm-hmm. Right. So it does, you feel it. But that's how slowdown worked in the day, right? That's why it's called slowdown. Uh, that's you know gradius three on the super nes that's what was happening it was cutting right. it in half yeah. and running slow and you used it to your advantage in a lot of in a lot of places right in the yeah. hunt on saturn runs better than something like gradius three mm-hmm. it's not that slow but it does get slow at points on playstation however right. they just skip frames so the game oh. speed stays correct oh uh, it doesn't actually run slow but if you actually look at the scrolling, it's basically never smooth. It's always kind of unstable, and it looks kind of jittery. That's Because cheating. the game doesn't actually hold 60 frames per second at all on the PlayStation. It's just because they skip frames, the game speed isn't affected. Uh, so people think it runs... They're right. It, it it does run with less slowdown, but it never looks as smooth as the Saturn version can. Oh. It so it's kind of like... Affect, uh, speed runners of people that actually do score attacks, if that would affect that. For them. Uh, they would be different versions. You, you you couldn't combine the. You'd have to have people playing on the different platforms. You couldn't compare the two, right? Because because yeah. of the slowdown. So it's kind of a pick your poison. Do you want the game to to run at full speed all the time, but right. look choppy, uh-huh. or do you want uh, fluidity in more cases, but then have some slowdown? I guess the problem on Saturn is that there's a couple stages where the slowdown gets real bad, like that one. You know that vertical stage where you have that huge like rock monster crawling yep. up the yeah. stage? So much that on screen. Much runs, There's so that much. That pretty much just runs in slow motion like yes. the whole stage on Saturn. And that actually is pretty bad. But yeah. that's where most of the game is... T- Metal Slug 2. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> yeah. But I will say uh, the one advantage PlayStation has is that you can use the arcade soundtrack, which I think is much better. Yeah. Where Saturn only has the arranged soundtrack, which honestly is pretty bad. Right. Uh, so... Mm, it, yeah. it's one of those cases where it's kind of like not super clear. Now, was that, was that IREM or was that the the IREM guys that became Nazca? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious, is there any advantage to getting the Japanese version over the, I have the long box, like the US long box version of it. Is it, was there any, did they work on it more or is it basically uh, the same no. game? And in fact, uh, the Japanese version is, is notable because I can't, there, there's a certain model of Saturn that it doesn't run on. 
Yeah, I remember we covered that before. Kay was talking. I think about it's that. Model yeah. Twos, possibly, right. because it, they use some kind of. It's something to do with the FMV at the beginning, where mm-hmm. it it performs some sort of call that the later Saturn hardware, I think it's later, doesn't can't handle. Doesn't something like it, goes yeah. wrong there, mm-hmm. and it just crashes on the video, and you can't actually play the game. And this actually isn't the only time that happened. Uh, Sega ages like Outrun, and I think it's just just Outrun. The standalone release of Outrun on Saturn, the first print run doesn't work on Model 2 Saturns at all. It just crashes mm-hmm. on the loading screen. And it's the same kind of thing where there's there's some subtle difference in the hardware that you wouldn't expect that just causes these early games to just completely die. I know in the hunt, there's, there's some kind of boot issue. So on a quote-unquote Model 2 Saturn... It's I don't know what yeah. the what the exact revision is, but it's basically a later revision Saturn with the round buttons. Yep. Um, it will boot, but you have to do some tricky stuff like you have to put a controller in the second player port or something like that and fire. You can't fire it up with a controller inserted into the first. OK, so maybe there is a workaround then. I, I'm not sure if it's different from the U.S. version or not. But... I distinctly remember that with my U.S. long box copy, I can't just get it to boot that's... straight, straight up. Yeah. OK, well, uh, that's good to know that there's that there's a way to actually boot it. That's weird, though, right? Where it just. It is yeah, weird. There, there's it is a lot weird. of like I think there's another shmup. I forgot what one that's. Well, Croc has the invisible yeah, head the, thing the going thing. on with that. With that, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's so creepy. Are, you have to start it from the BIOS or something. Yeah, but there's another shmup I think that has an issue where if you have a mod chip, it will just infinite boot or just a glitch out on you that you actually can't run it with. It's like a weird mm. thing. I remember Kay brought it up on the podcast once. There's some some with that, but it's just weird how like these little nuances with the Saturn hardware revisions would cause that because I don't think there's a lot with revisions that do that really in any other consoles to my knowledge I think um that did happen with I think the the later so the very last PlayStation 2 I think it's maybe it's the Mm -hmm. 9000 series like the really late slim Mm -hmm. I think the backwards compatibility function was it moved to entirely software driven on that system yeah and i think the ps1 compatibility is like a lot worse on that model of playstation 2 the very last model of the slim it's like the cheapest version they made and i yeah i don't remember the exact details but i feel like a lot of ps1 games are broken on that or have issues that don't exist the first slim was pretty cool like that one was still most of the slims are cool it's it's literally just like it's the ones that would have been made in like the late 2000s I think yeah, like yeah. most people probably didn't have that. So yeah, it's probably like the budget ones, budget like $99 ones for sale at Best Buy or whatever. Now the Majesco, the, the Genesis three that they did the, oh yeah, that you know, thing. The, the, the Genesis three, doesn't that thing have some like compatibility issues with earlier games or is it pretty much, uh, it doesn't work with uh Virtua racing for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if it has any other issues. I mean, there are Mega Drive games, like early Japanese games don't work on Mega Drives that have the, the TMSS chip or whatever. Oh, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, Thunderblade the, is one of those. I was going to say, there's one issue that the retro, uh, Bob at RetroGB found where they thought for a while that the Genesis 3 didn't have RGB, but it's because the cable wasn't able to fit in all the oh. way and then they got shorted it down it worked it's kind of weird like that that oh wow <laughs> i didn't realize that's pretty amazing that's it's like nuts. a physical hardware thing yeah. yeah that that's it that's actually a good fun fact i i, I didn't even know that i didn't that catch that one fact. so cheers bob <laughs> but yeah so 
how about we talk about working with Richard? Oh, <laughs> working yeah. oh, with, uh, sure. doing, doing DF. Well, I have to, I have to admit, like, you know, I'm a big fan of Richard. I'm a big fan of like his work on OSSM, my favorite gaming magazine. I used to import it back in the day. You, wait, and really? Like you that, actually imported it? That's amazing. Yeah, he's he's insane. It was, it, no, it was. I I mean, I didn't have to do anything hard. It just they happened to carry it at Barnes and Noble. Oh, right. I remember that. It was like 10 bucks an issue. It wasn't cheap, but it was worth it. And it was like the only way I could get Saturn news as a lonely Saturn fan in like 97, you know, was from that. Yeah. And so Sam Hickman, Richard Ledbetter, uh, Lee Nutter, you know, like that's kind of how I got my Saturn news and learned about like chipping your Saturn and, and uh, importing Japanese games and stuff like that. It was so, uh, yeah kind of a kind of a bit a bit of an idol and then uh you know df Red. did you get the issue with um uh the panzer dragoon uh i guess the panzer dragoon rpg yes saga yes disc one I, where you manage that deal that is just insane we're like yeah we're gonna include the first disc in the magazine on the cover that was brilliant i mean i i would argue that it really <laughs> helped sell that game better than it would have without but uh yeah no i i have literally every single issue and i have osm wow. like the 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 mag every issue of osm before it but i don't have that disc funny enough i don't have that first uh disc because i i got that one second hand uh, from someone else is that is that uh, is that some money now the for that disc is that an expensive i don't like, think so it's literally just I, the first disc like it's just yeah it's just a, yeah. The first it's literally time. disc one of the game included in the magazine and they're just it's designed you know disc one is fairly short compared to the rest yeah because mm. all the fmv but it's still it's a great way to like yeah play disc one you know save your game and then if you buy the full game, you just continue from there. So when you responded to Richard's uh, ad, I guess, for for an employee, like you were already familiar with him from from that? or uh... Oh, I mean, I was familiar with DF work and I was familiar with uh, his prior work. Uh, I didn't read that back in the day, but I had since uh-huh. because of DF, I, I read into that stuff and looked into right. some of the old Mean Machines issues, yes. Mean Machine Sega, you know, this Saturn magazine and all that. And it was deep respect for for the guy that's been at it since like 1990 you know and he's still at it with he's, you guys still that's holding crazy. it down <laughs> keeping that dream alive and you came along and started up df retro right it was digital foundry and then you started df retro oh, yeah. which really goes back into on all this whim, yeah. yeah all on a whim and everything and tell us a little bit about that journey like from the beginning of you pitching it and starting that out to like what it's become and how that's been for you i mean that literally just came out of like um i got a copy of quake on saturn nice and was like oh yes finally and i remember playing and thinking this is this is so cool i want to i just want to cover this Mm -hmm. so i made like a five minute video on the weekend just for that because i liked quake Mm -hmm. and we just put it up on the channel Mm -hmm. and that was literally basically it and that kind of started this whole retro push because i wanted to do it for a while but nobody else was on board like oh retro stuff doesn't do well doesn't do well right right doesn't (laughs) but it did in the end but I guess the, technically the first retro video I ever did came out after that, but it was it was for Shenmue, the original Shenmue video I did. Hmm. I did that earlier that year in anticipation of Shenmue 3 being announced at E3 
or being shown at E3. Oh, I think interesting. Because it, it had been announced, but we were expecting to see more on it. So I was like, oh, I'll do a retrospective on it. But I didn't actually finish the retrospective. It just sat on my hard drive for a couple months. I feel and then that. I, I went back to it after I did the Quake video and said, well, I should finish this and release it. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of started from there. And have you, oh, like, yeah. over time, have you gone even deeper and deeper in, in how you're able to, like, tear these games down and, and look at them? Yeah, as much as, like, it depends on... So there's different layers and types of video. Uh, depending on some For some videos, I would focus on one game and try to go as deep as I can. And that usually happened when I would discover something cool about them or some sort of, like, utility or method for, like, ripping the data or, like, you know, just, just that kind of stuff would push me to want to do it. Mm-hmm. But then for some videos, I just like to cover a lot of games in there. And like the PlayStation launch video, you know, there's there's a lot of fun little technical tidbits, but we cover every launch game Mm -hmm. and that includes comparisons with other versions. So you can't go like super deep onto every title. Right. Because it's just covering too much. So it just it just kind of varies depending on the mood I'm in, what type of video I want to make. And sometimes I just like a video just kind of going through a a bunch of titles and kind of laying out the details about it, talking about what made them interesting and just sharing that with everybody in a way that is at least moderately coherent. Because I myself like to watch that. I I make the types of videos I like to watch. Like, I love when somebody's like, all right, on this episode of the podcast, we're going to look at like uh, every single digital pinball game. You know, like you guys did once on nice. the podcast. Yeah, yeah. You just go Thank through you for it. Watching that, by the way, I appreciate I, that. Or listening I love that. that stuff, right? I think that's really, really fun when you just like, yeah, we're just going to go through all of them because you know, a lot of YouTube videos will just say like, here's the best, here's the here's the top Mario games, or here's all the big, you know, the big popular stuff. And when you do like a, a topic like that, you end up covering a lot of stuff that is maybe lesser known, not talked about so much right and it's fun to see all of that laid out in a way like here's all the data yeah and something i like to do along those same lines is like uh put that historical context in there it's hard to do it but i try to build like an atmosphere in the video of like this is what it felt like at the time yes put people in that headspace Mm -hmm. of like this is kind of like the thinking because what we know today about this stuff and everything about it is very different from what you knew back then yeah like the visibility was different and the hype was different and the conclusions people have come to over the years about Saturn or any other platform mm-hmm. uh, none of that stuff had happened yet right. right like when the Saturn was faltering in the late 90s there it was still a system that was on the market yeah and it was faltering and the thoughts and thinking around it was different if you were there mm-hmm. than if you look at it 20 years later and since I was there for all of that, it's it's just kind of like I try to put that into the video and like help people understand like why people thought a certain way about things at the time and really, really bring that excitement back in a way. Yeah, that is one of the things that I love that you did. And you were one of the few people doing it in those like video essays or like kind of mini documentaries on. Yeah. And, and then, of course, technical deep dives into the games and folks that have come after you, like Nick uh, Panda, you know, he, yeah, yeah. he does these documentaries documentaries and he also really does work hard to put it in a lot of context and it, it's like you said you, it can't be understated how important the context is because it really does yep, it's yep. so much 
more meaningful than any of these like people like basically reading off reading Sega off Retro Wikipedia. or reading reading off Wikipedia. It's, it's not a gatekeeping thing either because I know a lot of us say, "Oh, I was there," you know, and then folks get mad. Oh, no, it's not. It, but it's like you're really helping younger generations and even current generations that may have just completely forgotten because we just take everything for granted. You know that it's like right. things were really different that back then. You couldn't understate how important 3D was and how much consumers just had blinders on to 2D, how much the press just would tank a game review if it was a 2D game just because it was not in vogue, you know? Right. Or, or FMV, as, as FMV started to age and then kind of go out of vogue, it was like, it could be the pinnacle of FMV. so fast. They could have reached the point where everything clicked and it was like the perfect example of what an FMV game could have been. Maximum Surge almost got there. Yeah. That would have been the best thing that uh, these guys had ever done at Digital digital Pictures because I actually have that demo yes. on a disc. And I remember playing it on the mm-hmm. PC like, wow, that's actually pretty impressive for an FMV game and then it got canceled. I think stuff like Lunacy is really great how yeah, yeah. they were able to like load everything, you know, so it almost feels like there's no loading. You're just constantly moving and it's so fluid and then there's fmv cutscenes, but they're able to tie it in so well and then by the time it released it was like who cares it's it's an fmv game yeah. you know you, you know it's kind of funny i've always been a fan of those games like I, one of my first games i've ever played in my life was this game called mega race on the pc i have it yep yeah came with I my packard bill oh same here that was my first yeah PC nice bill. yeah and the, and the 3d dinosaur did you play that yep. one 3d dinosaur adventure 3d body yeah. adventure all I that stuff i do the body one I, I, i'm a body phobic body phobic with that but <laughs> i did those two and it's funny because i grew up with all those games and it's like i i love the fmv games like uh i was we were just covering the uh the the taito ld games and i was so hyped oh yeah like, oh time get we got time gal we got you know we got you right. know all these other ones. Ninja Hayate. We got a, a spaceship battleship Yamoto, and all. That's why you need to get like... a 3DO so you can get the 3DO conversion of Pyramid Intruder. It's a, it's actually oh, yeah. Pyramid Patrol on a Mega LD, but they did a 3DO version as well from Taito. A little Taito. bit cheaper. A little bit cheaper. It's a little bit cheaper. <laughs> a little bit cheaper. A couple thousand cheaper, but yeah, know, I just lo- I just love these games, and like I love the I, I'm glad that it's coming back, and like you say, there's stuff in vogue. It's like I'm. I wonder if like stuff that's like you know not that popular today would become like that now I guess or that or that in the future where it's like oh these games suck now but it's like oh these are like you know these cool little nuggets of games that never really took off or whatever. Did you ever play Mega Race Two? Uh, I actually never did play that one. I think that I one is mind blowing in terms of what they do with video. Really? Because they're able to like so they have enough frames where they can vary the speed very realistically it has branching paths everywhere and then they do this wild thing where like let's say you know the thing about an fmv racing game is you're always going forward right Mm -hmm. well mega race 2 is like well we're using polygon cars with fmv backgrounds but what if we allow the player to drive backwards oh how do you solve that in an fmv game well the way they do it is that if you stop your car turn around drive the other way they have individual pre-rendered backgrounds not movie files but pre-rendered backgrounds that show the tracks from the different perspectives <laughs> and you can turn your car around that way so it basically wow. like stops moving forward and it cuts the different angles of you driving the wrong way uh until you start driving forward again and then they cut back to that and they actually thought of ways to make it so you could truly drive like a, a 3d racing game like a polygon racing That's game but crazy. using fmv backgrounds and it actually freaking works 
I want to play that just, now. I need to That's like the wild. creative problem solving that you had when developers came up against like like hard stop like restrictions with the with the hardware or whatever. They're just like, well, you know, how do we do this? What how can we get creative, yeah. you know? Um nowadays it's like everything is essentially a, a powerful PC, you know, or or actually yeah, yeah. well or not a powerful PC. Yeah, consoles are just basically like really basic PCs. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, developers are a lot less creative. Also, they have a lot of times they have enough headroom with processing power and stuff like that. They don't really need to like make everything super efficient when it comes to like the code and everything like that. Or, you know, compressing it and stuff. I mean, it'd be nice not to have a have a 200 gigabyte download because they don't want to compress files. It'd be... Oh, Maybe right. Get back to that, please. Oh, like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. That's so. Oh, a great example of an FMV game would be uh, Wing Commander 3, Heart of the Tiger, was it? Uh, and that was on yeah. 3DO. And, and 4. 4. Yeah, 4 was great. You had uh, Mark Hamill. You had uh, really high production value on those. Um was on the 3DO and then the PlayStation. PlayStation. Um, yeah. Yeah, why didn't they come to Saturn? That's weird. I know, right? Well, that that, that it feels like that would have been... A... That got canceled on it. That was yeah, it was considered. It was in those documents that it was considered it's and canceled. So, it's so early for the Saturn that I'm surprised, though. Like, it feels like it's still in that window where they would have released it, but I guess not. Because, I mean, the PlayStation version comes in a long box because, you know, it's from that long box Exactly. Era. I just wonder, so, yeah. That's early. I really wanted to push Mike Ditka's football. <laughs> Ditka's football. <laughs> I guess they just thought that was better. Oh man, yeah, it's, I'm just looking it's just at my 3DO games over there. That what a weird system. It is a weird system. I have, I have two. I have two copies of Mega Race on 3DO. Oh, because I got cool. a Japanese version and an American version. Because just hearing Lance Boyle uh, dubbed in Japanese Konnichiwa. is very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to watch that now. That's probably it's, really funny. I love that that actor, dude. Yeah, that but, that guy. He, he's hilarious. He, he did a great job on that. Yeah, 3DO has a Shin handful. Mega Race 4 got kind of canceled, though. What was that, Pat? What's that? Kind of kind of sad Mega Race 4 got canceled with the Kickstarter. They did make with... Mega Race 3, though. Oh, yeah, on the PS2, yeah. Ooh, it's, wow. it, it's weird. <laughs> it, it but he's weird. in it. He's in it. So it's worth it's worth buying it just to experience that. I It's here in Europe. I don't know if it came out anywhere else, though. I feel like it I, did not. I'll probably just I'll probably just put it on my uh, I think I have it on my uh, PS2 over the network uh, things that I legally ripped and downloaded legally of course you know wait it says there was a nor oh okay it came out in the U S only on PC oh okay so there's a PC version in the U S but then the PlayStation Two version was only in Europe so that's oh. interesting I wonder if they have have a Mega Race one on Steam oh they have all three of them on Steam so I'll uh, the Mega ooh, Race pack. pack. $5.91. Ooh, I know what I'm buying right now. There you go. But yeah, 3DO you were mentioning. Yeah, it's a weird... There's a good handful of games that I think are worth owning or at least playing on that console. But I mean, but then there's a bunch of trash, too. <laughs> I would be lying if I said there wasn't a bunch of trash on the 3DO, too. But yeah. Yeah, it's... um. But even some of the trash can be fun, like oh, Demolition definitely. Man on 3DO. Is like, it's not good, but it's so interesting well, and weird. fun and with cool. other people. <laughs> some of that stuff is yeah, not as fun as sure. just playing it by yourself. And and that the pad is not great. I mean, you know, like, it doesn't feel great. I would say it feels okay enough. It's like, sure. to me, it's like a slightly less good uh, Genesis controller. No, but it's so much stiffer, though. Like, it feels so much stiffer. The D-pad is really stiff. It's it's hard to play Street Fighter on that. That's kind of a crime. A stiff D pad. Yeah, <laughs> but know. it's I've been there. I've been there. 
it's it's i don't hate it but no i don't, I don't hate love it either, it, either. It, it is an okay enough pad i mean it feels good in the hands like the design is nice but yeah as far it was as also like, the first one to ever do that daisy um, chain the headphone jack or the headphone jack with the uh volume control on the controller which is something we have these days but at right. the time that was wild Good that was point. impossible Innovation. and yeah you mentioned the daisy chain the daisy chaining is is kind of cool because it basically means no multi-tap required but then you could just yank it out on your i mean that's the thing you know just just be just be like i'm i was like i'm beating your street fighter oh no oh you actually unplugged you My gotta bad. like lock it you gotta put duct yeah, wrap duct tape around that, it or something like that Okay, I'm gonna real cheap. I'm gonna try something fun with you, John. Let's do some word association, okay? I, I I say a word, you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind, okay? All right. Philip C D I. Oh man, uh micro machines with my friend Audie, where uh the we were trying to play with the IR controller and it was so bad because it kept like losing the input. And it was also a game you have to remember sorry, you have to choose between music or sound effects. You're not allowed to have both. Right, right. Which turned out to be a very common CDI thing that I I think it is, is hilarious. Because yeah, oh my god, that that console has some weird idiosyncrasies. But yeah, I mean, like it wasn't really supposed to be a game console, right? It was like a multimedia, it's like an inter- right. interactive education tool or something like that. It just hit at a time where it was like, oh, we we've got to pivot and really like push this thing as a game console, <laughs> you know. But it does have Thunder in Paradise. Thunder in Paradise. Which, yeah. uh, Ooh, I you know, w- once you get past that first level, it's it's not no. bad because it's got, you know, it does. The, it's like a time crisis style shooter, virtual cop style shooter with FMV, which I guess would be more like, you know, uh, lethal enforcers. Right. But because it was FMV, you know, it would stop at a screen. You do you do the action, but then it would have like the full camera movement to the next scene with Hawk Hogan running around with you. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it, it worked. Is, yeah. Pat, why don't you give him the next one? Okay. Um. Uh. I guess Kojima. Kojima, probably Metal Gear Solid Two. Actually. Really. Oh, that's the first choice. one that comes to mind because I that's that's my favorite one in the series. It, it was the one that it impressed me the most at the time, and it it really like uh I loved the subversion of the audience with the trailer stuff and the Raiden reveal because I actually was someone that you know i bought it day one i didn't know that was coming it completely took me by surprise and i know people got mad about it but for me i was like the idea that a piece of media that big could release and Mm. they could hide something that significant and actually like subvert the audience audience expectations i found that so interesting and bold at the time like wow like i can't even believe that a company like konami Mm -hmm. allowed somebody Mm -hmm. to do that yeah, you know what well, I mean. Only Kojima, he, they they knew he sold the games. He sold the like it's crazy. Games. Like there's no, I feel like that would just never happen these days. Like no marketing companies are like, no, we're not fooling the audience right. to think they're getting something that they're not. But yeah, it's and even cool. up to like even up to Phantom Pain, they did that with the whole was it the the, the Project Whale or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, the Mo- oh, Project right. Moby Dick. So it's, it's yeah. interesting that they let Kojima play Moby Dick's two years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, they, there's like, is that guy CG or not? It's so fun. You know, it's, it's it's amazing. I love uh, I just love all that. And I'm I'm a big fan of Police Knots and stuff myself. And like, Snatcher I like the, stuff yeah. those games. I love Snatcher. I played Police Knots much later, and that's uh, also cool. Those are those are neat. But they they're you know they're experiences, not so much as like the typical game. It's, it's like an adventure a, game, it's like a graphic adventure yeah, with sure. visual novel kind of aspect. Definitely, but it very Japanese style adventure game, channeling that kind of like film because he's such a film buff you know that's true i did try playing snatcher with uh 
the uh, the justifier though. Oh, how was that? It's how not the that? best experience. I've actually never tried it. It's interesting. It doesn't feel that great, but it is funny having the justifier, your trusty justifier, sitting mm-hmm. at your hip while you're playing. And as soon as the as soon as the the light gun section starts up, you like throw the controller aside and grab it. Like let's go. <laughs> but then the actual shooting action isn't really that great. So is it still the quadrants they have? You have to shoot into each quadrant, or I like believe a... so. It's but you're not like selecting the quadrants. You're just like shooting it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I gotcha. So it's it's like a little bit less robust. Where it's like you just shoot the quadrant, and it's like yeah, oh you hit yeah, it. Okay, that's I, close enough. I think so. It's it's been a little while, but I I do have it. But I only have the the main justifier. That second one, I think is is it the pink one. Yeah, I think it's the pink one. That's the rare one because it you have to link them together with like what looks like a phone cable almost like one of those little like uh phone connectors right like an rj11 or something yeah you yeah, plug it weird. into the, you plug the one gun into the the, the mega drive genesis and then you plug the other gun into that first gun and because of that and they only sold it like mail order so they barely exist but anyway go ahead well i was just gonna say police knots has mouth support but then again japanese oh. developer <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay next one is uh let's go atari jaguar oh man what, what do you think about that Oh, the Jaguar. I think of Jagfest, which I'm happy to go to because it's coming back this year. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jagfest. Yeah, Tom uh, Tom Tronick of the Junkyard always talks about it. I, I find it interesting. Uh, I, I'm curious, what is it like? Like, is it like, like, I mean, oh, I, it's, a, yeah. it's a small gathering of maybe like 30, 40 people that just freaking love the Jaguar and like weird Atari stuff. There's homebrew games there. There's like, they've brought some wild stuff to the show, like, uh, unreleased arcade boards using like Jaguar hardware. They had the Panther dev kit and like, uh, manuals there. Somebody brought a Jaguar VR prototype there once. Uh, they mm, always had the wow. Jaguar kiosk, you know, and, there's there's crazy it's the only place in the world where you can actually sit down and have a checkered flag tournament on the atari Lynx with eight lynxes all connected together so it's like a an eight-way uh championship on the Lynx, and you know it's that's surprisingly fun but the whole the the whole story with jagfest and its existence seems to stem from like an atari warehouse near there that like burnt down when back in the 90s and all the kids in the area basically raided it and got like partially damaged jaguars like out of the rubble and so (laughs) everybody had jaguars because of this fire and that just became like this little corner of germany where like you know the jaguar was popular because they all got them oh my god so it's kind of hilarious it's just like you see a bunch of jaguar equipment like half burnt like half the boxes on fire the half is charred the guy that runs the show, like he actually, ha- he still has his like fire singed Jaguar that he brings to the show, and it's in the little cabin. It's funny to see it. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But I'm really happy that you know, as much as we joke around, it's really cool to have a scene like that. Because I mean, as a Saturn community, we have that same thing, same thing yep. with that where it's like yeah. so small. But I'm really happy that they have them having like. Eight, I mean, I would honestly enter an eight-way Lynx tournament. Lynx it sounds tournament fun. Yeah, Heck yeah, it's fun. Like, Sound us, sign us up next next year next year cast we're doing it there but <laughs> that's the thing it's the communal gaming that kind of makes it fun sharing exactly with, i mean the the so saturn's back online via netlink right that's right and uh and we've been ha- having a lot of fun with uh, a bunch of people in chat and turn we're doing tournaments now and everything like that so yeah it's it's a lot it's a lot more fun when you when you get to share it with other people and that Big wasn't time. necessarily the case back in the day no. if you know like you were pretty much like that lone that lone saturn fan maybe if you were lucky you knew someone else or 
I actually convinced friends of mine to ditch systems for Saturn back in the day. Like, <laughs> did you? Primarily, at wow, N64s. you get extra points. Like, I had two of my friends, they traded in their N60. I was like, dude, N64, you know, look, you trade this in right now, you can get a Saturn in like 10 games because it was like 97, 98 when the games were cheap. Yes. And it's just like, these games are awesome. Like, just, let's just do it. And. Yeah, they, they actually followed them. and enjoyed the Saturn. I convinced them. So at That's least three amazing. of us, we all had Saturns and we're like living it up, buying all these games for like bargain basement prices. Absolutely. I mean, I've told this before, but like I got my Albert Odyssey from a dumpster at GameStop where a friend of mine worked because they still had the loose disc. And he's like, oh, yeah, you can just take that. And he's like, um, I mean, if you want the case, I think we threw it out with the rest. Oh, my God. So I just dug, dug through the bin. I I straight up did it. You do it for Saturn. Of course. Don't, don't deny no. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 would I, grabbed, dumpster, I would dumpster die for less, to be honest with you. But I got about five games out of there, uh, including the complete Albert Odyssey, and they were perfect condition. They were just like set in there. It's not like they threw them around. So yeah, I got some some games out of there. Speaking about getting Saturn games, can you tell me about like how is it that you're able to acquire long box Saturn games in Germany? Oh, I'll tell you that. That's easy. In Germany, it's because in Rammstein near here, uh, there's an American military base, and it's been oh. there for a very long time. A very they, famous, based off of a famous band with the same name. Precisely. <laughs> exactly. So uh, they actually have the PX there on base where they would sell american stuff oh. right and it's still like like if i go to the military base i can smell taco bell and see it from across the road but i'm not allowed <laughs> in because i'm not a military serviceman so i'm like i just want to get in there and get some taco bell <laughs> i but want my baja blast please <laughs> yeah but uh they used to sell they sell like you know american video games and stuff there in the 90s and obviously all the stuff that didn't sell like went to sit in some warehouse so like german small german game shops around here would like literally pick up crates of unsold stock of american games that's why i got stuff like i have a, an atomic runner i have uh a couple a bunch of others that i have a bunch of sega genesis games that are still sealed oh i have a, che a cheeky cheeky boys us copy atomic runner a shock in the forever man and a few others that are all like are uh, american genesis games still sealed wow uh they were just sold and i got them for like dirt cheap you didn't have to compete well. with because uh, most german gamers are probably like nostalgic for like what they grew up with right the so how stuff yeah except for my group my group of friends were all into ntsc but most, oh, okay. they're mostly japanese collectors so right but yeah u.s stuff it's the same with saturn and i'll tell you the the big one is the stores we go to they have a crate of three american 3do stuff and they still have more in the back and like it's just all these like long box 3do games so most of them still sealed okay i'll give you my address <laughs> no, no, it's just, it's just wild german, german road trip that Let's is do it. yeah german we'll go we'll go with john and we'll have a party man we're gonna party yeah, heck yeah it's like yeah the, yeah we have a lot of 3do like we're having veal 3do is like oh sorry dave they don't have any 3do <laughs> at all sorry dave my bad right yeah yeah so that's that's this weird thing in this part of germany especially it's just like these stores bought up this unsold stock i guess and they just keep that's it in crazy. their warehouse and you know they just so you find a ton of these american games just sitting around all over the place mm -hmm. and it's usually 
That's why, like, and it's funny looking at that document from Sega. It's like one of the most common things that I still find copies of Gen War just sitting in bins around here, like in the U.S. long boxes. Wow. You know, the, we had like... a, a German guy, his name is Momphus, <laughs> but he uh, he actually got a, a Imaginary Rare Earth back in the day, and he always laments because, so yeah, that's the only time I ever saw that, and he sold it for, I think, like, I think like like 20 bucks mm-hmm. or something. So it's like, oh. yeah. And it was in Germany, too. It's like, oh. it's like, yeah, I regret that every day of my life. Dude, like, yeah, I know. But... And yeah, Sega CD stuff is out here as well. Nice. I got a Vive Working Designs and a couple others, nice. you know, long box Sega CD stuff. Uh, that's easy to get. Do you agree that the boxes are like super fragile, like people say, like they explode if you look at them wrong? Or do you feel like if you just take care of your shit that it's fine? I feel like if you just take care of your stuff, it's fine. Yeah. The problem is, is that because it's slightly brittle plastic, yes, I agree. Right. But because it's so big and there's so much heft to it that if you do drop it, it puts a lot of strain on the plastic hinges. And yeah, it's going to There's break. a lot of empty space, too. There's like, yeah, it's yeah. like kind of reverberates when you drop it. Yeah, that's true. But my feelings on that change when I experienced the European Dreamcast cases and then oh, I was God. like, oh, oh, things. yeah, they use that. Those, have you seen those, those thick blue cases? Well, they had to fit like every language the in the manual, manual, right? Yeah, but the those manual. use the worst plastic I've ever seen. They they, do. It's just so cheap. Like they look kind of cool, but like that is truly one where you look at it the wrong way and it just cracks. Like the mm-hmm. whole thing is they're so bad. I don't know. It what doesn't age thinking. well. No, like it gets worse over time. Probably just it's the so oxidation or whatever. The only way it could have got worse is if it just yellowed as well, just to like get another yeah, kick. Exactly. Dreamcast itself, though, really well built. Yeah, I mean, I think so. People don't seem to agree with me, but I think it's great that you can just take it apart with four screws. Dreamcast and... had that really weird issue with discs, though, especially early yeah. on. So my launch unit, it read discs just fine, but some prints of some games wouldn't read properly on there, and it used to drive me nuts. And sometimes copies, like my Sonic Adventure launch copy works on my launch Dreamcast, but on no others. It won't boot on any other Dreamcast. Never figured so out bizarre. why. I remember yeah, buying honestly, Skies of Arcadia mm-hmm. on day one, Pops in disc one, couldn't freaking read it. And oh, I was man. like, what the hell? Oh, that and sucks. And I put in disc two and it loaded to the main menu. And then I put in disc one and then it worked ever since. But I could never get it. I couldn't really? get it to boot it the first time. It just wouldn't do it. Weird. And that kind of crazy. That used to happen where like you'd get a Dreamcast game brand new, uh, try to take it home, boot it, it wouldn't work. And you take it back, get a different copy, and it would work. I never experienced I, that. I had that a lot. And it was relate you remember those early dreamcasts and some of those games have been weird issues at launch where they like made a second revision like not the midway stuff but sonic and blue stinger sure they all had like shady discs out of the gate that needed notorious for that on disc one yeah like disc one is always like i think sam went through ssg went through like five copies i went through like mine's broken i went through two still can't get a working copy but i just use an ode now so i don't worry about it anymore it was definitely something with uh, Dreamcast and discs that always gave me anxiety because you just never knew yeah. if it was going to work when you got it home, which yeah, never happened with the Saturn. The pressing plant thing or the disc itself. Yeah. It was those proprietary Giga discs. Yeah, those you things know, were I mean, that's... a bit shaky. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that they probably shouldn't have used them in the first place, no. you know? I mean, all things considered, you know? But, I mean, what else? They weren't going to use DVD because too expensive. They should have. Too expensive. Like, 19, 1998, when that system launched... I think they should have taken there's a bath just, on there's that. There's just no way, though. Like, two years in that time frame from 98 to 2000 is enough to make a gigantic difference in terms of cost. Like, I don't think yeah. they could have afforded to launch a Dreamcast with DVD support just because... Unless like, it's going to be 599 US dollars. I guess when you, when you consider when they started developing, that's true, you know? Right. 
yeah like the the dvd itself uh went that was it was released in late 96 in 96 first but it didn't actually show up until like early mid 97 i think in the rest of the world and even then it was very new very like it was so new sega had nothing to do with the standard either so like for them like a year out from Dreamcast, DVDs hitting. There's just no way they could have engineered the system to include that disc and also mm-hmm. make it like affordable. And they have those in Japan. They have those like wide vision, or like their standard def, but like wide TVs, CRTs with the yeah, the new stuff, their formats and stuff. We have a wide CRTs over in Europe too. There's a ton of those for some reason, including. Have you ever seen? There's a there's a Sony PVM in the old style, like the mm-hmm. old the 20M2 style, but there's a widescreen variant that I've seen. Yeah, we saw that before. It's, it's like it's a really weird. Boy. It's like yeah. a really fat wide boy, and I'm like, what the heck is this? It's the the Sony had HD the first like high vision players back in like late eighties early nineties yeah what is it big HD widescreen tubes it's freaking nuts that, that existed yeah it's crazy because Japan actually broadcasted it over the over the air for a while and it's like yeah who's watching it all of five people that have the TV that can afford just, it just crazy that that exists I swear that's on my bucket list is I I want one of those Hitachi like wide it's like standard def but it's wide and I guess you could do like anamorphic stuff on it. Like Knights would look phenomenal on that. Bomberman. But yeah, I forget what the model number was, but it's in that Saturn perfect mag. Oh, wow. you know? Yeah. And it's got a terminal on the front. It's got a Saturn port and with the little Saturn logo. And it's like, wow. I'll keep an eye out on Yahoo auctions for that, but I doubt they'll ship it to America. They're not going to no, ship it. I just wonder if anybody even has one over there because it takes up space and over there, space is not really something premium, that yeah. they have a lot of. Exactly. So they probably would have scrapped it which is sad but happens but yeah no uh, i i really want those as well but hopefully one day we'll get, get some somebody will find it find it on a crate or something but still i'm more of a four by three guy for this stuff because there's just not enough widescreen content back then that's true i mean it was it was rare to get stuff like that but you would have like panzer Zwei and you had knights there were there were a few games that took advantage of it but you're right i mean most of it is four by three all right What's the next word? <laughs> oh, yeah, the next word? Well, okay, fine. Dreamcast, since we were just on that. Let's just go Dreamcast and... I was asking oh. anyway, so that's good. Uh, this, the Sonic Adventure trailer from 98 that I saw for the first time in a small postage stamp. and was thinking, like, oh, my God, look at this. This oh, like, is insane. And was it in a DivX format or whatever? Yeah, through the... I, I don't even remember, but it was, it was small. It was crappy, but it was enough to see what the game looked like. And I just remember finding, digging up, mp3s of the soundtrack wherever i could and just getting very excited for for dreamcast my hype went up real quick after seeing that cd sitting sitting like in classes just now listening to open your heart or like uh, my sweet passion just on repeat when i when i finally played it and i loved it at the time uh i did feel a little bit betrayed because all the early previews you read everybody's like oh man it's a smooth 60 frames per second and all that it's not it's not 60 it's 30 and it slows down but i still loved it were you like really already about frame rate back then i was already back yeah yeah the game that made me about frame rate was actually daytona oh yeah i remember seeing the arcade i didn't even understand what frame rate was but i remember seeing this and i was like you just this is so smooth yes and i wanted that at home yeah and it was really hard to get like even on a high-end pc it was like man 
like this just looks so good and then you know i started to learn from there but mm -hmm. that was one of those things where it's just like that fluidity is so insane looking that looks unlike anything else i've ever seen in 3d right it just and i want so that you're so used to like the 30 you know? i just figured it was one of those things where it was the arcade and we just would never have that right <laughs> so what would you say would was the game the console game that did it like what was the 3d console game that did it well even though there was 60 on saturn and playstation that impressed it was it was actually for the first time seeing a japanese dreamcast in like early 99 running virtue fighter 3 tb mm. now when you do the comparison you're like okay yeah the model 3 definitely looks better but at the time i was like this looks just like the model 3 board this looks like the arcade and look how smooth it is like i was mm. so blown away by that that level of fluidity which i'd never seen in a home console before or even on the pc like 3d that was that detailed and smooth and fluid oh, it was mind-blowing mm -hmm. so yeah seeing that for the first time was was when it really when i feel like i finally got it at home but then it was followed by some disappointments of course you know beyond mm -hmm. sonic uh the big the big crushing one for me was sega rally 2 I remember getting my hands on that yeah. and being like, what did they do? And ever since then, it's not terrible, but it just falls short of what you hoped it would be. Yeah, you know? It's like, well, the problem is like by default, it runs with this unlocked frame rate, but it's like double buffered. So like it's mostly 30 frames per second, but then you get these like spikes for it's 60 mm -hmm. and it's that going from 30 to 60 and then back. That's, that's really jarring. Like if it was just 30 all the time, which you can kind of do with a code, uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's much more playable. Oh, you can do that with but, a code code yeah there's a way to like lock it down oh. to 30 which is, uh, which sad, is a big it's, deal it's like it should have been 60 though right like sure. i remember thinking like i saw virtue fighter and i was thinking this was going to be the same thing and it just wasn't it mm -hmm. was it was not smooth it looked worse than the arcade but i was still excited for the system of course but that was the that was like the chink in the armor where you're like oh okay maybe this isn't quite the model 3 at home that i had expected but right but that that's also what turned me against the windows ce logo because you see oh, that yeah. I, I remember seeing like windows ce at boot up yes which that confused everybody so like oh the dreamcast runs windows it's like no it's just like a different it's a different library that, that they used to create. yeah nobody really knew what that meant back then the embedded ce they didn't understand what that meant exactly uh in windows ce i mean it was really just designed to help make it easier to port pc games i would say to the dreamcast for developers not familiar with the more low-level apis right yeah. like and there's quite PC a lot devs. of them like like slave zero i think was the biggest one for me that was slave, slave zero was a cdi kind of experience i i say that because if you remember they they were not able to play music in slave zero and dreamcast and i remember in an interview they gave like yeah we couldn't figure out how to get the music and the sound effects at the same time and it was just really i would say it's bad engineering <laughs> I always thought that was an aesthetic choice. I never, because no, I it was not the, a, the PC version has music. No, because yeah, that's why I loved it. Because it was like it was like so like eerie, as like no music, just was like pure gameplay. And I thought I it was, know that it was, a it was not intentional. Like, and then if you get multiplayer, don't even bother on Dreamcast. It is a lag fest. Yeah, don't even try. It. But yeah, I love that game though. But yeah, still Windows CE baby, that's uh, it's bad. It was a it was a horrible thing for them in the end. I'm sure it helped some games get made, but almost everything that was Windows CE runs poorly. It runs pretty bad. It's, it's yeah. not. It's not a good choice. It's yeah. It's like okay, it's there, but let's not. But then again, no. a lot of those games may not have ever come to Dreamcast then because they were able to work with like more familiar like DirectX style or. Maybe it was DirectX style, but basically an easier way yeah. to convert this stuff, just writing the games in C and 
rather than having to dig into the assembly code of the low level API and stuff like that. Well, speaking of Windows, let's do uh, the direct Xbox. What do you think of when you think of the original Xbox? I think of that lady standing next to the mech doing the choreography. Right. Remember that? Yeah, that, like controlling the giant mech. Yeah, that was like their tech demo, right? I also think of I think of that and I think of Malice. Malice. The game with that with that little with that girl with the giant hammer that just screams like early 2000s America kind of graphic design. Yeah, exactly. More like just western style. Is that like uh it's looking like you No, know, that was actually not dolls. American. It was an art not developed game which is even weirder because you know argonaut of course but that era of argonaut from the makers of croc uh but malice didn't come out until 2004 and then it even came out on ps2 as well for some reason uh it's a really weird thing but that was one of the earliest things they showed on xbox and early xbox was full of these like throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks Mm -hmm. you know like the azuric and blood wake and all that kind of stuff Bruce Lee, uh, Obi-Wan game, which was horrendous. Like most of the early (laughs) Xbox stuff was really, really bad. Like so bad. bad. Yeah. Like it's so bad where you're like, you think like, man, if they did not have Bungie and Halo, Mm. would they have even survived? Like Halo was so good. That was their killer app. They got so lucky with that Mm -hmm. because everything else that they were doing on the West side was terrible it was like their mario 64 i mean mario 64 yeah. was powerful enough to sell 64s that's for the first exactly you know? right not to say i mean xbox did launch with good stuff like they obviously they had dead or alive 3 which was awesome they had project Gotham racing which was like the msr sequel mm-hmm. which was really good so they had good stuff out of the beginning but yeah halo was the thing like without halo there there may have yeah. been no no more xbox because it was it was the only thing that was so good to get people to like really want to jump onto that system because mm-hmm. all their other first party stuff during that first year or two was just vile like it was bad didn't the splinter cell stuff start on xbox it did but that didn't come until well i mean i guess that came a year late it was 2002 yeah it was late like November 2002. So that that helped for sure cuz yeah. that was a real Ghost showpiece. Recon was big too. My uncle played that. Yeah, but that was more PC focused where Splinter oh, okay. Cell like started on Xbox, mm-hmm. right? It was made for Xbox before going elsewhere whereas Ghost Recon was like this offshoot of Rainbow Six, which right. of course Rainbow Six was one of those games that was like known as the most delayed Dreamcast game for a while. Yeah. If you remember that the whole saga of Rainbow That's Six, right. it just it finally did come out though it wasn't very good yeah i mean to be fair rainbow six one is kind of didn't age that well to begin with but you know no xbox was really though the first console where you could you could really do like pretty faithful pc ports and and have it come off like you know i mean yeah you don't have the mouse and keyboard but um but for the most part, like it, it was quite playable, you know, and you didn't feel like you were missing. It was the yeah, best we ever. Controller. Yep, the best there ever was. Yeah, at, at the time. time. No, there was. We did get some. There was some decent PC ports on other platforms, like Deus Ex on PS2 is like shockingly great, uh, which was impressive as a, as a conversion. But by and large, you know, PC ports that was something xbox could actually deliver on mm-hmm. it wasn't always perfect but no. you could get some damn good results you could yeah like the fact that something like morrowind works at all even though it runs terribly <laughs> but the fact that it does work yeah you can actually play a game like that on a console like nothing else you couldn't do that anywhere else it was it, right. it was only possible on an on an xbox in the console space 
Yeah, and it definitely helped bridge that that divide between the PC and the the console gamers to the point where it's like, oh, why why am I going to get this giant PC where I can just play it on Xbox instead and play with you know all my dude bros, play some Halo, <laughs> hop on Ghost Recon, play some uh, NBA. Like it just it just was an interesting console, and you can kind of see the evolution of where it was going. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said it like they threw everything at it. Like you had like the Blinkses, you had the Mouses, you had all the weird games. And well, like, I actually like Blinks, but and you had the <laughs> really, really good, good land support. So it was like I, I remember delivering a pizza to a house where they had like six CRTs and a bunch of <laughs> Xboxes set up, and they were playing Halo and, and a, we, ton yeah, a ton of beers. A ton of beer. It was four. You can only do a max of four for one copy of Halo. Is that right? Okay, this was Halo we Two. Did that. This we, was Halo. Halo 2 they were playing. I Halo think. 2 is the same, I think. I don't think you can, unless, well, maybe with Xbox Live, actually, it's possible. I'm not exactly sure. But as sure. far as local, local land support, we used to do that at my university all the time. We would rent, like, not rent out, but we would take over, like, this, like, common house in the middle yeah. uh, and set up projectors on each Xbox so they were huge. Oh my god. And then we would play four player split screen on each Xbox with four Xboxes networked together and these 16 player games. Six, wow. And then we would record it all on VHS and like create highlight reels after the match. Uh, <laughs> I'm jealous. Was, that sounds wild. amazing. We, had, we, had, we played so much Halo in college. It was, uh, good lord, it was fun. I, w- I definitely wish I was there for that. I was more halo 3 in college but even then like when halo 3 came out it's like by that time halo kind of died down and it wasn't really it was all about like you know mm-hmm. uh i actually don't know what was really popular in the 2000s i actually stopped playing a lot of games around that time the 2010s modern warfare probably modern you know warfare, for, yeah. I mean, Mo- yeah. I've, yeah i've had this controversial opinion where call of duty modern warfare i blame it for ruining multiplayer for myself no, like i, I know people love it but i think that was the game that destroyed multiplayer for me in fact i think that game caused so much damage to the industry as a whole that i mm-hmm. i've come to you know i i respect what it does now the series but i kind of i've always had this resentment for that era of call of duty because i think it definitely resulted in everybody wanting to make like a first person shooter like that no it's not so it's not just that the big thing for me is that and this it seems smart at the time but what if we put rpg stuff into a shooter so you're leveling up every match has like you know you gain experience points you gain credits you're buying weapons mm-hmm. let's do that and i feel like that specific decision designed to get people to keep playing ended up filtering out across every genre mm. and changed the face of gaming forever uh in a way that i don't really love like this this focus of everything has to have these like leveling up systems and filling the bars and making the meters bigger and unlocking stuff it's no longer just about playing the game that's what shifted it from like you know halo one to you know unreal tournament quake three like getting out of that sort of just like you're just playing because it's fun to like i gotta play this to like uh fill this meter and unlock this stuff and Again, I respect that people like it. I'm not denying that it's good for them. It's just for me personally, it kind of ruined it all for, and I, I just don't like it. Interesting. Yeah, I'm with you because, like, I feel it, like it, it turned the game from oh, everyone has a chance to oh, it's a if you if you have the if you're the best, you're gonna keep being the best because you have like oh, all these kill streaks, all the helicopters coming out, all this you know, all these advantages, all the stronger guns, and it's like with Halo or like something like you know 
like that where it's like oh everyone has a chance you spawn get a gun mm-hmm. you know where the gun is and you can find it like it's just like very much skill based yeah it's skill based mm-hmm. it, it turned to oh just keep playing a lot and unlock all the crazy I mean, weapons call of duty is still very much skill based i would say but it's a different type sure. of skill and it's uh yeah it, it's everybody's focused on the meta mm-hmm. now rather than just having a good old time it's like if I want to focus on meta, I'll just play more Warhammer 40k. That that's all the meta I need. And the problem that. there is that I think it actually like it now. It's it's progressed to the point where people will look at a game that doesn't have those and like, well, why would I play it if I don't get anything for winning? Yeah, it's like you know what I mean. Like, and yeah, that's yeah. the attitude that I'm like, oh man, like you're missing. They've the really point. lost something there. Whereas they only view it as like, well, I'm wasting my time if I'm not earning things. Mm-hmm. I think and that's that really sucks. Tribes of Sin kind of failed in a way because like. I remember that was whole really big and was about it. Then like it's like oh well, it doesn't have all this, so let's not focus and play on it. It's not you know that. And There's no meters to fill. Exactly, so. exactly. And it's like it's like I just want to come home. I want to play like that's why I play. I only play Counter Strike Source anymore because like I come home, love Counter Strike Source, play the servers, kill a bit, and then turn it off. And it's like that's that's what I want. I don't want you know. I don't want to commit. I don't want to grind these games. I'm an adult. I have life. I have a life. I got Seriously. podcasts to do. Like I got stuff. Yeah. I gotta do. Eventually, it turns into I got to do my dailies yeah. in these games where everybody's like, you know, I have to do all these things every single day. And yeah. It's like it just, what am I doing just, with my life? It's, like, it's not even <laughs> it takes the fun out of it. I don't know. It feels more like an addiction than than pure fun. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it's just like me, crotchety old guy, ram- rambling about this stuff. I mean, I yeah, no. Like, I mean, we're all kind of old guys yelling at the sky <laughs> at, at some point. You know? I mean, I I am literally the old man yelling at the cloud, yeah. like as in cloud gaming. Cloud like, gaming. That's what I do. Wah, wah. It's like release it on disc. Damn it. <laughs> Pat, hit him with the next word. What do you got? Um, limited run games. Well, I guess that's three words, but just pretend oh. I put them all together. LRG. There we go. Uh, I think of RZ now, which is the game that uh, I've been contributing to with uh, Seth. Oh, you're working on that? Doppley. Yeah, so I'm Dude, really I happy. I am hyped for RZ. So yeah, that's yeah. been that's been fun over the last uh, year and a half and some change. Now he's there too, right? Know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the one that made this happen. Without him. I, I, he, I just uh, he joined I them and for him. Yeah. oh yeah, uh, Audi's great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. He's cool. The Norwe- he's 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 the Forrest Gump of the games industry. How did you guys or, hook up? You, you and Audi. I mean, it's the same way. It's like that's why I call him the Forrest Gump of the industry. <laughs> he's, he's just everywhere, <laughs> he's just everywhere. And, like everywhere. all these weird situations. But you know, we met up first at Gamescom. But actually, he like reached out of the blue uh, on just through a message board, and we just chatted from there and. Yeah, and then I discovered he's got his fingers in every pie in the industry that yeah. nobody knows. No, it's amazing. So we actually need to get him on here. He's—I understand he's a very big uh, Japanese Saturn fan. Like he loves the Japanese oh, yeah. Saturn well, he, library. He, he just—he he is a passion about everything, and I love that. That's yeah. that's why we get along so well because we just appreciate all that. But he, he especially loves bad games though too. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a collector of Phoenix games. Oh, uh, I don't know if you're. The are you? Fa- you're familiar with Phoenix Games, yeah? Yeah, love that, them. That stuff is something. Yeah, it's sure. a lot of UK only releases too. Power releases uh, only, right? Power releases, and they're all like they were. They were all designed to be on the store shelf, like at the checkout, and like right. a, like an Aldi or something, where you're like, oh, what's this? And you pick it up, and they're all garbage, <laughs> except for like occasionally they would like publish a game that is. Like the you know the Toge series that Cave did mm-hmm. the racing series, Toge three for PlayStation two got released over here as like Road Rage three or something. 
by Phoenix Games with a generic cover. Wow. Right? Road Rage. Like, what is it? (laughs) But you you know how the the Toge series is, right? Like, it has nothing to do with driving angry or road rage. Like, the name doesn't even make sense. But you you get it. It's like, oh, it's actually like a good game in here. So that that happened like once or twice, but most of their stuff is like vile. What about the mobile light mobile light force? That yeah, the, I, that wasn't Phoenix, but yes, it's the same it was kind the of thing. Yeah. Shikigami no Shiro, right? No, that was a it was it was Gunbird on the PS One for the. Oh, it was actually Gunbird. So the set mobile light force two, I think, was was that. Yeah, was Shikigami. Of, uh, yeah, and, and then the you're right, Gunbird was. Uh, Mobile Light Force One. <laughs> I, I I do like Bizarre. the idea of of taking like character like generic characters like that and making a series like Mobile Light Force like have like Mobile Light Force Six, but they just pull <laughs> from a, like any random shooter in, from Japan, right? But they insert those generic characters into them, so you have like a series of games that's based on multiple series of games. That'd be fun. That's it's pretty like, funny. Uh, you just get it's like oh yeah it's a, it's a Toho game. It's like oh dang all right let's go Mobile Light Force Four Toei Four. Uh, exactly. Total number four. Let's go. But yeah, it's it's just bizarre that like these it, these releases happen. And it's like it's kind of funny because I discovered that just because I looked on because we were doing a podcast on a uh, Gunbird or like the Shadow Schmups. Oh yeah, like, nice. And I, and I I we were like I was like wait it got a U.S. release on the on something I thought it was Japan only and it's like what are we looking at and it's like I looked at Mobile Life Force like oh that's what Mobile happened. Life Force Gunbird. Classic. But yeah, I did want to thank you for doing RZ because it's been doing a lot more. Like people are making YouTube poops of that, like right oh, out the gate. So thank you. Well, the thank the main guy on that. it, Dopley, is he's like he is like Mr. YouTube poop. He was way into that that stuff and has, you know has developed a real appreciation for it. His actually first thing is he remastered, re-released the Zelda CDI games. So he's the guy that reprogrammed those and released Wait, them. Wait, what do you mean he re-released them? Didn't you ever see that? If you look no, for, I... like, the Zelda CDI games remakes, he released them for PC some years ago. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't even and know And he remade them. And they, they play significantly better, but it's all, like, huh. using the original assets and stuff and kind of... So he put that together, and then that this was kind of born out of wanting to do his own thing and, like, make it original and good, but also staying true to the CDI Zelda. So it's like... CDI Zelda, but good is the idea. I'm excited for it. Like, I saw so, it. I'm like, that's a day one pre-order for me. I'm I'm buying that for sure. It's but. it's really it's genuinely fun. It plays really well now. It it actually game design wise, I would say we've kind of ended up at a place where I would say it's more like Monster World style, Ooh, right? Like yeah, where it's not a Metroidvania, but you're going in and out of different levels. But it's kind of non-linear. But you go into like first level and you're like, oh, here's here's an area or a thing I can't get to this now because I don't have the power. So you have to go to another place, talk to someone, you do something else in another level, and then now you have this power. And you're like, oh, if I go back to level one, now I can access this area, which is a different area. And oh, now there's a boss here that I couldn't get to before that I didn't even realize was there. And it's kind of like slowly peeling back the layers, visiting and revisiting levels on the way to the end. And I, I like that kind of design, and I'm really happy with how it's turning out. I'm glad to hear. It. I'm glad it's going going along well. I'm. I saw the trailer for that in the LRG thing. And I'm like, this. I'm buying that. But but yeah. Um. When was the release that you guys are looking for? That I'm not sure if there was a. I don't know if it's been announced. So. Uh, I do. I do not know. Unless it was in the trailer, I I I can't say anything on that either. Fair. So. Fair. But no, I'm just really excited for it to drop. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for doing your hard work on that. I'm really excited to to give that a play. And I'm gonna see if I can make Dave play that too. Oh, definitely. You should definitely, d- definitely give it a try. What do you think about the carbon engine? Oh, I think it's a cool initiative. Uh, 
to basically, I mean, the idea being like building your own emulation in house, which is cool mm -hmm. rather than just like, you know, reusing what exists. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I always respect that. But then I really like how they're focusing on making like real packages that like keep the spirit alive mm -hmm. of the game. Uh, the upcoming. Uh, so actually, before I say that, the, the thing that, that makes me say this in the first place has to do with those Radalika releases. You know, Radalika, Steve Stakes, Snakes Company. Right. Their emulation is actually quite good. But they use the exact same like generic menu system for every single release to the point where it may as well just be like an emulator front end rather than like a proper package. Right. right. So as a result, it just ends up feeling a little bit generic and uninteresting as and I don't like that. Like it's just an emulation front end kind of thing. And yeah, the ROM is just dropped in there. Kind of. That's what it kind of feels like versus like Carbon Engine, where everything is very bespoke to where the end user has like a really nice experience. Exactly. So that's that's the main thing is like just making it feel bespoke and fun and actually like worthy of, of its own package mm -hmm. uh, I think that is really really cool and separates their releases from the typical stuff so yeah. yeah how do you feel about like the overall performance of it versus like what would you say carbon engine versus like FPGA oh I, I very different thing I mean FPGA is focused on replicating hardware and it's meant to have the whole library there this is just like packaging games up in their own individual like release with a physical release mm -hmm. that you can play in a modern platform and the performance is, is meant to be very accurate and, and smooth with good options in there unfortunately I think the first game they picked to release was the River City Girls uh which was like uh i forget the it was one of the kunio kun games back from super famicom mm -hmm. but all of those games run like butt like on real hardware like like the uh. performance is bad like those games run like garbage and so does the carbon version because it's accurate it runs it exactly yeah. like the real hardware but it gives you this bad first impression but it's not has nothing to do with with their work it's just that's how the game is it's super janky it's like we made it accurate. I mean, we didn't make it. We couldn't make it better, it but we made it accurate. So, so and, <laughs> right. In some cases, you can actually improve things via emulation. But I think with a lot of games like that and the way they're built, like trying to fix it is really potentially makes it break in a way that they can because you know they don't mm -hmm. have the source code for this stuff so it's all kind of hacking around it and doing what they can that way right and fixing deep-seated performance issues uh depending on where they're coming from like there are some ways to do that on super nes like with those uh those hacks that vito vitor vieja in brazil's been doing you know with the sa1 hacks oh okay yeah basically uh -huh. solving performance issues that stuff's really cool but it's not always feasible I think my favorite one that they did recently is on the uh, Bunny one uh, for the, the, the Game Boy. Um, I forgot the name of it off the top of my head. But they oh. did a recoloring of it to make it a DX version of it, and they actually added coloring to the game. I can't remember what the name is. On yeah, I, I love this game, and for some reason I've also... Are you talking about Trip World? Trip World, yes. That's it. Trip World, I feel yeah. so bad yes. I did the subtitle, and I completely forgot what the game <laughs> <laughs> it's trip world yes yeah no they did a wonderful job on that yeah that that's probably the best example yet because they actually went back and got the whole thing colorized and it's not just colorizing it it's like they actually went back to one of the original creators the guy the designer in japan that worked on the game mm -hmm. and he's the one that signed off on all the color palette choices to make sure oh, that it's great like, actually adhered yeah. to his original vision so it's like extremely authentic uh in a way that's yeah. just awesome 
Yeah, no, it look it looks great. I'm I'm super excited for the drop. I'm definitely I'm definitely getting a copy of that. I love mm-hmm. love 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 the the Game Boy game the, the Game Boy version of that. I I'm get I'm definitely at the DX play on that the analog and analog pocket. I'm this gonna be my my weekend when that comes out. But but yeah, um, one of the things that I I was curious about maybe getting your opinion on is what I like about the carbon engine is the possibility to get fan translations or translations done of games that never got you know localized release of translations and i was wondering do you think it would ever be possible for you know say them taking a fan translation and putting it on for either from like the snes or something like that or you know or like you know maybe some other console that they are able to emulate at this point and take that like even like maybe police knots on the ps1 and put that into that and release that or is that a complicated thing that might not be well, i can't speak for them for sure here but i'd imagine that's it's feasible but complicated right there's so many mm. things with rights you have to go through between the companies the translators you know yeah using fan translations also tends to be kind of a dicey thing because you know, with legal so they would might want to do it in-house but i mean it's not that it's not possible it's just there's a lot of stuff to dance around i'd imagine again i can't speak to that uh, per se i don't but uh it seems possible but difficult yeah because I, I figured that'd be a good way to you know because my my thing is working with the i know it's a lot really complicated but i figured you know with the fans already having that translated and maybe seeing like the cost of either the compensating the fan project or the fan translation giving the rights to that and putting that on there versus doing a full in-house translation a translator proofread oh, yeah. when the work's all done that you know it might make more financial sense to do that but i mean i can see where the rights issues and the whole legality of that would run into that but that's one of the big things i'm very passionate about is you know getting these yeah. games to the, the fans and not having to oh you have to patch this game you have to you know download this rip the you know the the, the disc one image of it and because a lot of people like i mean as easy as they made it nowadays a lot of people that really don't want to do that they just want to you know sit down pop it in and play it you know and you know it's just yeah. like yeah and it's like i'd love for there to be a legal way to do that and it's like maybe maybe that's sort of what i'm hoping for the the carbon engine moving forward is doing something like that would be a great way to use it if possible yeah i would love to see that i also wish they could like beyond carbon like re-releases of games like they're doing the game boy color and game boy cartridges for trip world which is cool mm-hmm. but man it would be cool if they could do like saturn releases oh yeah but i think it's like 100 percent off the table just because they can't you'd have to crack the security that's on Saturn in a way well the security's known but it's like how do you actually burn those discs how do you make those discs I don't think there's any plants that could actually do right. that right uh, we have a guy that was looking into it right now like looking into the wobble on our side but it's like it's 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 completely complicated and it's like you actually have to like manufacture it in a specific way that's what I and mean it, yeah and it seems doable but it's like it would require a lot of work and research but I mean, if, money. I mean if you had enough money yeah if I you don't had think enough they, money you know. I don't think they I mean who's gonna want to invest that kind of money to make that possible for Sega Saturn these days like I've definitely seen crazier that that's been, but like I mean, yeah. I would love it. That would be that would be absolutely amazing. Yeah. So like our our buddy Ben is an entrepreneur who also works with like he has factories and stuff like that, and he might be crazy enough to do it. <laughs> he's he's definitely oh. mentioned that he wants to do it and that he thinks it's possible from an engineering uh, standpoint. Oh my but again, God. like talking about it and executing on it are two different things. So. Yeah. <laughs> I just told him like, "Hey man, pat on the back, like go for it." That that would be the dream, Ben. Come on, Ben. You can, you do, can do this, buddy. Right? We're counting on we're counting on you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, besides that, you'd have to like when we talked about it. If you want to do that, you'd have to 
either come with a stipulation, you need a, a pseudo card or a, fl- a burnt thing to use it, or you'd have to include it with the game, which would probably no, make it astronomically un- That would be expensive, but also, like, again, the Saturn card slot, yeah. what it is, like, it's just not, it's not even a guarantee that it would work. Like, it's just not worth it. There's so many potential right. issues it's there. like how are you gonna troubleshoot that with all the customers right you know like yeah it's, it's I like hate, half i hate oh, that card work. slot i do too <laughs> i do too I, some of it i blame is like using stuff like action replays in the past with the the non-beveled cart edges but even without that even when you don't though yeah even when you don't it's just there's something really flaky about that slot it just was not well manufactured Every time I put a cart in there, I feel like I'm just destroying it a little bit more, you know? So it's yeah. like, and, and I, ha- and we have to, for content creation, it's like right. we're, we're, we're going between the Netlink cart when we're doing that stuff, you know, tournaments right. or anything like that. And then, and half the time it's like, you don't even know, Yeah, you have to like boot up into like Saturn Bomberman and see yep. that it actually boots into the Netlink side other, because you won't know if it's properly seated. Even know, if it boots into the Netlink side, it may there may be a pin that's like not properly seated, and then you just you don't have a connection, you know, with, with your buddy, and then you have to like reseat it, and then you it's like of the course worst, man. yeah, it's just so it's terrible, it's terrible. You just want something that you can just leave in there and just forget about it, but yeah, so you might as well. Say, I literally think now I just have Saturns that have specific peripherals plugged into it. Like I have one with the Netlink, I have another one with the RAM card. I'm just gonna leave it in there and just swap Saturns. It's a yeah. lot easier easier to swap it and take out the ODE pop up and then just do that as as dumb as that sounds and those pins they're so tiny like the yeah. the connector yeah. they're just so tiny and you can't like get at it from underneath and like bend them back or anything like that it's like I've heard people trying different crazy stuff but some folks say that if you take a screwdriver and you just loosen the screws on both sides of it yeah that that helps uh, and then other folks are like if you jam a credit card <laughs> behind the and it kind of like forces the cart forward a little bit that that helps but i mean all that stuff is anecdotal and it may or may not work depending on your experience it's but yeah super so annoying it's crazy there's also the put the cart in and then pull it up like a half of a millimeter yeah. <laughs> so that it like grips. I've had it go out even during games. I think it was one of the Samurai Showdown games I'm playing. And it's like all of a sudden yeah. all the sprites go corrupt and everything's like broken looking. Mm-hmm. But the game's still running, but you're like, oh, well, crap. <laughs> that's I think that's a common issue. We, are you using the third party RAM thing, the action replay RAM when you do that or... I'm using uh, the, the one, one Japanese. Maybe I had card, the right? wrong cart, but I was using the one that came with like one of the King of Fighters games. Because I know that, that that's... I can't remember if that was the one. I think it was the one megabyte one, probably. Because some of them have issues where if you pause it and you leave it for an extended period of time and unpause it, it'll corrupt for some reason and nobody. Oh, that's that's funny. Yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of Saturn carts. I have the one. I have the four. I have the pseudo Saturn. I have some third-party RAM thing. I have the memory cartridge. All those different things. Right. Yeah. The thing about the memory cartridges was it one of you guys that told me the trick about recovering it? Yes. It was, it, yeah. yeah. I think I told you, you told that. Me. And you Peter told me. told me that. I can't believe that works. It works. <laughs> and so, so that's stupid. actually that's why because it it corrupted my Shiny Force three save. Yeah. I lost my Shiny Force three save and I poured so many hours into that and then and then I was able to. So luckily I was able to get it back, but yeah, that was what crazy. What was the method just for people that are listening? That don't uh, know? So the method is you, you, you this is scary. This is going to scare some folks, but you go in and you go into the memory manager and you say format. Okay. Format. And it's like, are you sure you want to format the, your, your backup cart? And you say yes. And as soon as you click yes, 
you power off the console and yep. when you boot it back up it will not have actually finished a format it will have just gotten rid of the last Re thing that was written to it uh yep. which basically solves the problem and unbricks it you know but uh it, yeah so you end so, up with like one corrupted save file you, but yeah. the rest whatever fine. the last thing that you wrote to yep. it that happens to be the corrupted article yeah. gets deleted and everything else is and once you get it back you're like okay i gotta back this up till with like slinga's save game Dude, copy the Saturn or whatever saving setup is just it's it's pretty bad i mean between the uh, unreliable ram carts and then needing yeah. to change the battery mm -hmm. you never really feel safe with your saturn save data in a way that you do with like a PlayStation memory card, for instance, right? Where it just kind of feels well, like... Well, so now with the Satiator, and I realize not everybody can afford the Satiator, but like with the Satiator, yeah. it's great to just have like Sling as copier as a, you know, I have it in a separate folder and it's just like, you can just dump the contents of the cart or the contents of the That's internal true. memory at any time. And I do often. If you have the Satiator and you use rings, um, which is like the the special menu, yeah. you can do per game save as well. So it has like a separate folder for it. Yeah. Oh, so wow. there there are some there's some cool things about that. Now Fenrir can do it as well. Uh, you can you can dump saves to the SD card with Fenrir as well. It's a lot of it's more, more work. work I yeah, think. it's more work, but. And there are other ways you can get it off. Now that now there's a QR. Uh, there's a software by, and I forget who to credit for this, but yeah, there's a piece of software that will, uh, for folks who don't have that, can uh, basically run this software off of like a burn disk, and it will create a QR code on the screen that you can snap a photo of with your phone and basically oh. get the data off for like archival now getting it back on is another thing you you're gonna have to have like some kind of sd card or something with a with an ode or like put it what you could do is also you could put it on the disc as well like in, you oh, yeah. burn a disc and burn the that's save. true you can burn the saves to the disc and get it on that way too so for people who are really against getting an ode for whatever reason mostly usually it's just because of the cost you know but yeah, it's crazy. You're you're absolutely right. The there's more options with the PlayStation, honestly. Like uh, at the time, back in the day, I I saw the Saturn's internal memory as a good thing. I was like, wow, well, the PlayStation doesn't have that like built-in memory, you know. But yeah, for what it's worth, with the battery dying and I, at random times. No, I, I guess you're right. It's it's much better today. But I was thinking more from like when the Saturn was still current enough. And I remember like back in the disaster. day. Oh yeah, for when sure. When I first yeah. discovered like, oh, the battery can die. I I actually didn't realize that at the time yeah. and lost tons of saves that way. And yeah. Oh yeah. We've only had these solutions in the last few years. In fact, when we started doing this podcast, oh, man. we didn't even have any of this stuff. And there wasn't even a Saturn ODE yet. There, well, there was Rhea and Phoebe. There was one, but literally you had to fight for your life to get one. It was like. You had to go on a website at like three in the morning and, oh. up, and there's like five that are put up and it sold out instantaneously. The only way we got one is uh, our buddy Kay was a distributor for a U.S. of it. And he's like, uh, do you guys want to hold on to one for you for a U.S. Dis distribution? I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. That's the only way I got one because yeah. it's either that or wake up at 5 a.m. and fight 50 people for five. And it's like, that's And not now there's several. <laughs> It's crazy. Saturn is actually pretty pretty well supported in terms of ODEs now. Yeah, it's, yeah like, it's got a lot of options. That's really cool. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so there's no bad and there's no bad options. There's so many like you just pause the video right now and buy one if you want. Like there's no like. Well, I would say that. Satiator probably seems like the best option because you can keep your optical drive, right? You yeah. can keep your optical. That's true. Yeah, and honestly, for if you're doing content creation or if you're running conventions and stuff like that, it's worth its weight in gold. Like Patton, everyone at PRGE had a Satiator. We were able to just like plug it in. We, we we use that on the Pluto as well. Just plug it into the Pluto and you know have folks be able to like That's play 
play the Pluto. <laughs> yeah. Cause you don't want to have to like be putting discs in and out and stuff like that. <laughs> really mess around nope, with that nope, thing. Nope. Just, we had a, like a wireless, uh, Bluetooth control and just like, nobody gets to touch the Pluto. Just, you can play it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Play it, off of a shelf. Cause that, yeah, Adam Korlick was like, yeah, I appreciate it. Cause like, I didn't want it. Now I don't have to worry about it getting knocked off a table. It's like, worst case, they steal controller. Whoop de doo. Mm-hmm. That's great. They're not losing like the, specialized ones or anything like that and it's it's really it's really crazy is how in the recent years all this sound peripherals are coming out for it though it's great but yeah it's like so but yeah, i love offshoot, that stuff yeah. man they, they love their peripherals and weird offshoots and all kinds of hardware because you know how else would they decorate their warehouse exactly exactly 2000 <laughs> was it 200,000 32x's and stuff it's exactly. all- oh yeah and the and the saturn peripherals were one of the worst like the hardware itself was like i mean they they were selling some of it but i mean the, it was right. the peripherals that, that was ridiculous oh yeah oh and the steering wheel is terrible i have it right there it's, so, it's bad. so bad like i it's only good for a couple games formula carts which is like uh pal release uh it actually is great with formula carts i don't know what it is but it oh that's weird you know, it, it feels great it like if you've ridden a go-kart and you know that feeling of kind of like really like drifting around a corner and having the go-kart slip and stuff like that and the feeling of the I steering wheel the feeling, you're, yeah. you're really close to the ground too when you're on a when you're on a go-kart for some reason the saturn racer uh works great with formula carts and it's one of the only game uh, i guess maybe it helps on like uh that motorcycle game what uh because it's analog uh well, not manx tt it's the other one that's no. terrible uh Super hang, Super hang on, hang on GP ninety five. Oh, yeah, so like on. that's almost Ooh, uncontrollable that with the digital pad, but with this with the racer, it's actually you you kind of get a grip on it. That it also works with the three D control pad, but again, the three D control pad basically just registers as like a, a racing wheel, basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's probably has nothing to do with it, but I'm pretty sure it's because of the go kart. The the wheel looks like a go kart, anyways. Like yeah. Go kart steering wheel. So kind of, but it's like bow shaped, isn't it? Kind of weird. <laughs> like a bow tie. It's, cool. it's kind of like a formula one because that's kind of how formula yeah, one I guess wheels were like yeah i guess that's true they were that weird kind of with the paddle shifters yeah 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 remember playing daytona with that it's like super sensitive it's like you move a little bit you go going left and right it's like awful speaking of racing and everything we got to start pumping the brakes on this uh, yeah because <laughs> we're coming yeah, up on like two and a half hours and I'm, I'm looking for a way to like smooth transition and wrap this up but uh let's grab that I, racing wheel and steer to the exit <laughs> yeah i was gonna say before i go i just want to thank you thank you a lot for shouting us out on all the all the all the uh all the shows of the podcast that you do because even the oh, last yeah. one you did was it's really really nice of you yeah. nice of you to do with the with that so th- thank you so much for of shouting course. us out and like we, we try to do the same for you i mean you definitely yeah we love talking about your content we love your stuff we love the podcast and absolutely all the content you do with other people like with my life in gaming and yeah. everybody else so oh, yeah really no appreciate, I appreciate your attention to detail and your just commitment to yeah and i appreciate what you guys are doing because it's keeping the saturn alive in a way that's fun to listen to and sort of re-exploring the library and of course all that stuff is awesome it really uh it brings me back and you know richard appreciates it too being that he was trying to keep the saturn dream alive so hard in the 90s with the magazine that means a lot to us that that he that he likes her con- that, that means a lot you got a copy of the magazine right did you get it yeah it's awesome it looks it's gorgeous very professional awesome nice i'm glad well really really appreciate you coming on and uh, appreciate your time of course thanks for having me absolutely yep so uh until next time this has been saturn dave Trainoco, and john lineman of df retro reminding you that you must play sega saturn Play your Sega Saturn. (laughs) See you next time. Peace.